is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouths. Yay. Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. November 10th, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, and Android as well, WWSRN. Yes, it's both, and they're the same. Speedy, what's up, man? Feeling much better. Feeling normal. Yummy. After, yes, after going through what after I went that through yesterday. Wonderful day of throwing up. Yeah. Well, that wonderful like two hours, but it wasn't the whole day, luckily. But so you went to have Mexican food and you threw up. Well, it was no two that, hours. Yeah. It, no, no, that was a leftovers. We went to the restaurant Saturday. Well, hold on one second. You were feeling sick on Saturday after the Mexican. No, 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 no. On Tuesday, I had leftovers. So you got you uh, you got sick because of leftovers. Maybe I don't know. Uh, why would you have leftovers of Mexican food? Because I didn't finish it all at the restaurants. It is Mexican food. Nobody eats leftovers of Mexican food. Nobody but you, Speedy. Nah, that's it is one in a million, true. ladies and gentlemen. True, Speedy, Epidi. What, what do you mean it's not true? I, I, How I, many guarantee, people? I guarantee I wanna, you if you polled a hundred people, at least thirty of them do would you, do it. Do you want to ask people? No, you're you're the one curious about this. I'm curious because nobody eats leftovers of Mexican food. Okay. Well all right. You waited three days to have your leftovers? We had other things too. Yeah, but <laughs> why would you eat leftovers of your Mexican food from Saturday? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Where did you put it? You put it in the refrigerator? Yeah. And how did you eat it? Did you microwave it? Yeah. That's why. That's why you got sick. That's why you should have used the oven, Speedy. Then it would have burnt, probably. Well, it would have probably been better than uh, coming out of your stomach. Okay. Speedy Petey, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. Wonderful to have him on the show, as always. Uh, At 9.30, we'll be talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor, Mike Gwizwippy. I'm sorry. (laughs) Gwizdala. So, Gwizdala. That's an interesting name. Gwizdala. Right? Gwizdala. Like, uh, nobody beats the whiz. Remember that? There you go. Gwizdala. Mike Gwizdala will be joining us at 9.30, talking and speaking a little bit of Yankees. Um, We will get into the Nets uh, backing off on bringing in Emi Adauka. Yes, Emi Aduka. Uh, Hire Jock Vaughn. We we did speak about this at the end of the show yesterday, so we'll get into that. LeBron James says that Kyrie Irving's punishment is too severe. Uh, I have a lot to say about that. Uh, D.C. Attorney General suing Dan Schneider and the commanders, including 
Roger Goodell. So Roger Goodell getting sued again. Not surprised. Uh, Jacob DeGrom tells the Texas Ranger, uh, tells that he would absolutely be interested in playing for the Texas Rangers uh, if he doesn't sign with the Mets. Uh, the Yankees give Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo qualifying offers, which I think is just a smack in the face. I don't know why they're doing that. Uh, the Mets give Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Nimmo, and Chris Bassett qualifying offers as well. NFL 10 picks, uh, so NFL week 10 picks, Petey. And uh, as we see what the scores are, uh, Derek is up 10-3 to from last week. Um, I was 9-4, and and Speedy was 7-6. So, yes, I'm still kicking everybody's rear end. But anyways, uh, we do have our guest, and we're going to bring him in a little bit early uh, because he's a little tired. And, uh, yes, Mr. Joshua Silverberg, what's up, bud? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on this evening. It's I even put the old mm. uh, background back there. <laughs> I do I like that. It is beautiful. Like, it's very beautiful. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, I just really quickly, I gotta go back. I mean, Speedy, if you're ever gonna have leftovers, dude, you don't wait three or four. I don't care what it is, you don't wait three or four days to eat it. That's and not and Mexican, you, food. you have it the next day. Two. Two things you never eat after, I would say, more than two days. Mexican and Chinese food. No go. I don't eat a lot of Chinese food as it is, so you don't have to worry about that one. But I'm just saying. You do. I, I mean, like, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, what was he thinking? Like, what, what was the Mexican food anyway? Like, what, what was it, Chipotle or something? Like, no, it was, no, it was a local restaurant. It was actually funny. It was my dad's birthday. So they sang to him like they would do a lot of restaurants do, and they gave him this sombrero, and his, hat, his head is so huge that the hat didn't even fit him. It was hilarious. Yeah, was it Starling Marte sombrero? Maybe was it? Maybe that? <laughs> no, it was probably it was probably a little bigger than that. <laughs> well, okay. yeah. well, I figured it was that. Would that that would be the case? And I know I'm going to be. Um, I'm actually going to be hanging out with you guys tomorrow. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll hop on the uh, weekend crunch with you guys as well if you if you allow me to to go back to the old stomping room. Yeah, why not? But why don't we get into it? So let's go for it. LeBron James says Kyrie Irving's punishment is too severe and. This has been a story uh, that has been growing legs because Kyrie Irving has no brain, Kanye West has no brain, and Elijah Moore is an idiot. Okay, so we have three morons, well, two morons and an idiot. But I, I think with LeBron James, it's so funny. LeBron James has not spoken out at all when this was going on. You never heard LeBron James. You never heard Kevin Durant. The only time you heard Kevin Durant was about a couple of days ago saying that we want to move on. Uh, obviously, it was a dumb thing that Kyrie said, but uh, he he paid his – he's paying the price. Let's move Let's move forward. Um, obviously, the, the Brooklyn Nets are still keeping him under suspension. I, I don't – know what the Brooklyn Nets are thinking right now with Kyrie Irving. We all know that 26 teams in the NBA have come out and said that they would never pick up Kyrie Irving's option in at the end of the season or give him an extension for a contract. So Kyrie's really stuck either with the Brooklyn Nets or probably four or five other NBA teams. But right now... LeBron James speaks out, and it's not like he's sympathetic about what he said. Anti-Semitic views and everything that he, he spoke about in Kyrie Irving on a video, a film that he checked out, and obviously a book that he read, and he's 
feeding it to all the people that follow him on Twitter. Not about that. And I will say this about Kyrie Irving. The man is stupid. There is no, even if he really believes in the stuff that he believes in, why would you go out on social media when there's millions and millions of people responding on every single post that you put up and most of them, and I will say most of them, I would say a half of the people that follow him are Jewish. So, and I was looking through his Twitter feed and I will say I, I there's, I think he has, if I'm not mistaken, he has over 2 million people that follow on Twitter. Okay. I would say 1.5 million people are Jewish. So you post something like that up. What do you think the Jewish community is going to say about this man? I just think when LeBron James comes out and says that this is too severe, LeBron, do we remember Black Lives Matter? LeBron, when this, when this whole story two years ago came out, and I was behind it 110%. And Josh, you were on the show. You know I was behind it. You were behind it. Speedy was behind it on most of the stuff that was going on. Most of the stuff. And LeBron James spoke out right away, taking shots at the police and, and really all the different leagues that weren't supporting it at the time, which eventually they all did. And now all of a sudden, this anti-Semitic view of Kyrie Irving comes out, and you would think Chris Paul, who runs the uh, Players Union, he's the, he's the head guy for the Players Union, who's very important to these NBA players, and LeBron James, who arguably has been the best NBA player in, in the league for about 20 years, and you would think they would speak out and back up what the NBA is doing, and what the Nets are doing to Kyrie Irving. But no, they're backing up their best friend, their good friend, Kyrie Irving. Now, Chris Paul has not spoken up and spoken out on this. He hasn't said anything. I'm interested to see what Chris Paul has to say. But when LeBron James comes out with this, Josh, and I know you're Jewish as as well as I am. I have Jewish blood in me. I was not very happy about his views to a film that I would never look at. I, I, I would never waste my time and energy checking out an anti-Semitic view stating that the, this film talks about uh, and speaks about that, this, this, that there it was no Holocaust and that um, all the different views to Israelites, to Jews, to African-Americans being the first Israelites. It was just – it's despicable. I think that I, – I think in my view that LeBron James should just shut his mouth. I don't want to hear LeBron James's view on, on Kyrie Irving anymore. As, as a matter of fact, when I came out in Speedy, you know this very, very well. When I – when we were talking – we were speaking about this last week, I said, where's LeBron James? Where's Chris Paul? Finally, after a week, you hear from LeBron James, and it's not something that we wanted to hear. So, Josh, your thoughts to LeBron James's selfishness. Go back to the China situation, right, where that was another topic that was brought up, and he was very vocal about that, and even stems past LeBron James, right? Like, his own teammate, Kevin Durant, basically said, I'm not getting involved in this, and you spoke on the Players Association and all that stuff like that, and it's funny because when they had that statement, I remember, Errol, I called you after the statement came out that the Players Association made. It's funny because 
uh, Kyrie's a vice president of the Players Association. So if you don't think he took a look at that statement, and if you clearly can read it, his name was not mentioned in that statement, period. Mm-hmm. What do I think of LeBron James picking and choosing what he wants to fight about with the anti-Semitic film and everything like that, and the book, and it, you know, Holocaust didn't exist, and there's fake Hitler quotes in there, and all this stuff is going on in there. It's just it's a disaster. And, and you know... Also in New Jersey, I believe right by where Kyrie Irving grew up, there was um, a uh, a Holocaust that was, um, I think, um, it was a police call that got put on. There were threats to go do something at that Holocaust. So the guy's got 4.6 million followers. So And, and it's, it's on funny. Twitter, right? Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, he's got 4.6 million, which is... And that's why they're all fake verified accounts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going you know... I'm waiting for Arrow to get that, that verified account. By the way, pay those eight, pay that eight bucks to not get that verified account. No, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting my time. I mean, it, I, you see Jake Asman having it, so uh, it, it, it's so very important. Me having it, don't worry. <laughs> Did Jake Asman break... If, I think if I get that and I'll just get blocked by a bunch of... Uh, why would I want to pay $8 a month? For that. But like this is the thing that like do you and and it's funny when the Yankee guy comes on I I do want to ask him like do you are you gonna fall for any of the fake like how much is Bob Nightingale gonna fall for any of this crap? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean oh my god, I mean how many times? But going back to LeBron for a second, it's amazing that we are in a society still where LeBron is a figure of the NBA, right? He's the head honcho of this. I don't care if he's in charge of the player association. I don't care if any, he's the face of the NBA. And the fact that he picks and chooses what he wants to talk and say about is BS. Um, and he's got his own problems anyway on his own team as it is. They're two and nine and he's got groin issues. So you got that going for him. Point being is this Kyrie will not play another game for the Brooklyn Nets. The fact that he, the, the fact that Joe Sy even, is giving this guy the option. Errol, say you're a boss, mm-hmm. right? You text a, 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 an employee, uh, hey, I need to talk to you about something, and the employee doesn't get back to you. You text him again the next day, hey, I got to talk to you. The employee doesn't answer back to you. What do you, how, how, what do you do at that point? Do you say being insubordinate? Do you let them go? Or do you say, uh, you know, like, wh- because – Kyrie didn't answer. First of all, first of, first of all, Kyrie Irving's on his final con- final year of his contract, which well, is making, that year we disbanded him too. By he's the way. making about thirty five million for this last year. All right, so to me, I would just if if you have to pay him out just to get rid of him, I would do that. You're a multi billionaire. They're winning without him. Yeah, you're a multi billionaire. Oh, by the way, what they did to the Knicks yesterday? Yeah, just- they're winning. They're listen, just really quick, Arrow. Listen to the post game yesterday. Listen to Kevin Durant give the game ball to Jock Vaughn after the game and listen to how happy everybody is and how positive everybody sounds in the locker room because the freaking wackadoo is not there anymore with the juju stuff going on like he's Serrano from Major League doing this crazy <laughs> stuff in his corner. I don't know. I mean, James Harden said it when he was there. James Harden used to say, what the hell is he doing? Like, this is weird. You know, like it, it would just be like weird stuff he would do in the locker room. It's a more positive environment, and I know winning helps, but you could see how much better of a team they are when he's not there. Now are the Nets winning a championship? No. 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 <laughs> they have Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving on that roster. As long as that happens, 
They're not going anywhere. No, they'll Kevin just hack Durant. Ben Simmons all game. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Nets should be looking at trading Kevin Durant at the trade deadline. I agree with you 100%. And try to rebuild because you're never going to get rid of Ben Simmons' contract. Yep. I think uh, there's like five years left of that contract. Unless you're the Dallas Mavericks who are interested in him. Well, I, there's know? no way Dallas is making that trade. You would practically know. have to give them nothing for them to Give make them back Spencer Dinwiddie. Is he still on Dallas? I think so. Yeah. Yes, he We're is. We're going to go full circle with this, aren't oh, we? And try to bring please. back the whole, the, the old, we'll bring back the Angelo Russell and bring the old gang back. Kenny Atkinson will come Here's back the too. thing. And, and, I, and Speedy, I think you would agree with me. When LeBron James is very well respected, not only throughout the NBA, but in the movie culture, he's a producer. Uh, he owns pizzerias. The man is a guru when it comes to making money. And so was Kanye West. But when you hear... When you hear Kanye West stand up for Kyrie Irving and and agreeing every agreeing with everything Kyrie Irving said about this film and checking it out and that he's completely behind it, which is just despicable. And then you hear LeBron James come out. He didn't he didn't agree with any of the thoughts of Kyrie Irving, Kanye West, or uh, Elijah Moore. He did not. But what really irks me is he has the audacity to come out and say, well. Kyrie Irving's punishment is too severe. This is the same man, okay? The same man that has backed up everything you said with China, backed up with Colin Kaepernick taking uh, taking a kneel. And, and I understand Colin Kaepernick was not disrespecting the national anthem, and I agree with him. I believe it. I believe him. He probably wasn't disrespecting he wasn't. He, disrespecting the national anthem. Nevertheless, he should have never been doing it because it caused a lot of problems, not only throughout the NFL end, but the nation. The nation was upset that he was kneeling. And that started all the problems with Donald Trump and the politics and all the craziness that really shook this nation from top to bottom. Now you have Kanye West, who's very well respected in the hip hop game, and some people like him, and most people hate him. Is and, he really respected? No, oh, he's absolutely respected because all these rappers want to jump on his tracks and and be a part of what he is doing and his trend when it comes to the Gap throwing his stupid, you know, sweatshirts in a bag and crumbling them up, and people are buying and spending three, four hundred dollars on a sweatshirt yeah. that doesn't even have a name on it. And then you have his sneakers that are selling three, four hundred dollars a pop. I, I just – I think Kyrie Irving is a selfish, and I'm going to say this, and I know everybody doesn't want to hear it, and some people are backing up everything Kyrie Irving has said. He's a selfish, no-good ass, okay? That is what he is. He is an anti-Semitic asshole, okay? I'm going to say it as quick as possible. He is a piece of garbage, he doesn't belong playing on an NBA team making millions and millions of dollars. And I think for one second and, and just for one state of mind to listen in, to listen in and, and just – you listen to all these analysts. You listen to all these, uh, all these guys on their radio shows taking shots at Kyrie Irving. I think that people don't understand. Unless you're Jewish and you know how many family members you have lost in the Holocaust – you would understand what it, it's like to be a part of such a disgraceful, disgusting thing that happened over 100 years ago. It is – it's despicable. And, and I think that the NBA should drop the hammer on this guy. LeBron James needs to shut his mouth because this guy's got a lot you know, resting on his career after basketball. He's got a production company. He's, he, he's making millions everywhere he steps. If he – 
and a lot of people that follow him, and he's got over 60 million people that follow him on Twitter. He doesn't want the the Jewish population that are following him to think that he's backing up Kyrie Irving because if that happens, that will affect his money and his pockets in the long run. And again, you're also dealing with a guy that's in the film industry too. So while he might not be supporting the values of the film, if he is supporting Kyrie Irving inadvertently, that's going to inadvertently say, all right, I'm going to support what he believes in and he what he believes in is anti-Semitic. And yeah, he might not obviously think those viewpoints. And he never said that he believes in anything Kyrie Irving said. Nothing that we've read here. He just says that Kyrie Irving's punishment is severe. It's too severe. I, I, I disagree. I disagree. If anybody, uh, anybody in the NBA took a shot at Black Lives Matter, they would have been suspended the whole season, probably would never play again in the NBA. Nobody. But now all of a sudden, his buddy, his friend, speaks out and takes shots at an, an anti-Semitic film, a view that nobody should even check out. Nobody. And he should never post something like that up. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. And, and, and for him to, to try to sell something that he doesn't know anything about. By the way, everything that he has stated on that film is completely wrong. Completely wrong. <clears throat> the fact that anybody believes there wasn't a Holocaust is despicable. Over four – actually, I was saying four. Six million innocent people died in Germany and Poland. Okay. It's despicable what the Nazis did to them. And then try to compare the African-American slave culture to what happened to the Holocaust and the Jews. Okay? It's not the same thing. It's not. And I'm not saying that that African-Americans have not been disgustingly treated around the country and abused and murdered. I'm not, ta- I'm not saying and I'm not backing up any of that. I, I absolutely agree with Kyrie Irving. Any, you know, so many ethnic groups have been murdered and disrespected around the world. But to compare and contrast what happened to the Jews uh, in Germany, in Nazi Germany, in the time of the World War World War Two situation, it, it's 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 disgraceful. It, it's not right, and I think he needs to take back everything that he said. Yeah, there's no need to single out either. Like no, and again, you're looking like Josh was saying. Like you're not going to know that kind of pain unless you are of, of that. It culture. doesn't matter what what skin you are, what religion you are, what you know, what you follow when it comes to Catholic Christianity or, or Judaism. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We are all built the same way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anything, just don't say. Don't anything. say anything. Because he it can't affects, help himself. No, it, it, why are you saying anything? Because you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're going, we're, we're, we're talking. I mean, we're, we're talking about. It really is insane. How long has he been in here now? Three years, four years. Uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. How long has he been here for now with Brooklyn? Four years. Uh, this is his four years, fourth year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first year he left the team in the bubble. Mm-hmm. He did that. Um, the second year, he refused to get, I believe it was the vaccine, did that. His third year, he took a two-week, uh, vacation or whatever he it was to get his head clear, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Um, and now this year with the anti-Semitic remarks, the Brooklyn Nets cannot get this guy out fast enough. <laughs> Dead serious. I mean, it's really insane what this guy has done since he's been here in four years. It's crazy. 
I, I mean, it, it's almost like to the point of, I mean, the fact that he didn't even go meet, I forget, with one of the groups, and they didn't even accept his donation. His father went for him. And I believe his stepmom is his agent, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Mm. So it's really just a wouldn't you th- wouldn't you are. think if you sit back and and you have parents uh, I lost my father 6 years ago so I have one parent that's very very sickly so uh mm. when I speak to her sometimes I wonder if she's you know she's all sane because she's been going through a lot of stuff you know all, you know when it comes to the medical side of the things when you have two parents that first of all his father who's very outspoken on social media. His father does speak out. He's, yes. a, he's a very open guy. And then his stepmother has spoken out very much, too, about who he is as a player, who he is as a person. Don't you think they should instill into this man, this person, this athlete? There are kids, millions and millions and millions of kids following you, buying your sneakers, drinking your drinks, and... Know that you're making millions and millions of dollars. You are lucky to make millions and millions of dollars off these kids, which, by the way, are also Jewish kids. Jewish kids that are buying all these different things, supporting what you believe in, what you support when it comes to sneaker deals and all that other stuff with Nike. And and, and then mock what happened to their, uh, their families. And, and say that it didn't exist or it's absolutely it's it's fake pretty much. Uh, and, and then LeBron, James, and I'm not getting into this whole Kyrie Irving thing anymore because I'm tired of it and it just makes me sick to my stomach. What bothers me is finally LeBron James sticks, you know, stands out and speaks up for, you know, himself. And it's not something that we wanted to hear saying that Kyrie Irving's punishment is too severe shows me that that LeBron James doesn't even care what Kyrie Irving said. It doesn't matter to him. It doesn't bother him. I would love to hear what LeBron James has to say about Emi Odoka. I would love to hear it. You know why we won't hear it? Because, again, LeBron James is very close with Emi Odoka, and he will never throw anybody he respects under the bus. But he'll attack people around the world because if they don't agree with him and they don't like what he stands for, He'll throw them under the bus because this is the way social media is. This is the way social media will continue being because, to me, social media is the devil. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Now you have uh, Twitch and uh, what's the other one? Um, um, uh, what's the other one that we post up? Uh, TikTok. Okay, all, all the the social media themes that everybody posts up their stuff and try to sell so they can make money off of and YouTube. People forget that th- this is the way this is the new way of making money. This is the way now you can promote your product, your end all be all when it comes to sneakers and you don't have to have a sneaker deal with Nike. You don't have to have a sneaker deal with Adidas. You can make your own sneaker and now because of social media you can sell it. A.K. Uh, the, the the ball family. What, what was that? What was the that? Ball. Oh, what big was baller brand. Yeah. Big baller heard, brand. Haven't heard him in a while. Thank God. No, but I, that's what I, I, I feel. And I, I just I think that the NBA needs to look at this and they need to figure out what they need to do with this guy. I, 
I really think that the NBA needs to slowly but surely wean him out. Give him. I think the Nets should just pay him out and say, "Listen, we we don't need you on this team. We don't want you on this team. Uh, we need to move forward. Your beliefs are your beliefs. We don't believe in it." And by the way, is am I? Am, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the Nets uh, one of the Nets owners Jewish? Is am I am I wrong about this? I. I think the crazier thing is the fact that Kevin Durant didn't have much to say about it, and Kevin Durant's business partner is Jewish. <laughs> That's the wild thing. I, I just <laughs> – I don't understand it. I, I, I don't. I, I think the and, – and again, with with everything that's gone on with the the attacks, with religion, uh, anti-Semitic views, race, all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years, and everybody supporting Black Lives Matter. Why isn't anybody in the NHL, in the NBA, in the MLB, in the NFL, speaking out and attacking Kyrie Irving for what he believes in? Okay? This is disgusting. It's despicable. And, and screw you, LeBron James. Okay? That's what I'm going to say. You don't, belong, you, you don't belong speaking out for anything. To say that this isn't severe enough for him to be... Uh, treated the way the NBA and the Nets are treating him is despicable. And you need to start looking at this and realizing you shouldn't be speaking out for your good friend. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor, Mike Guizdala. I love that name. Guizdala. Here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can check us out. Yes, you can check us out at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, and in Android, WWSRN, which we fixed that. So you can check it out on both sides of the Android and iPhone, whatever the heck you have, or iPads or uh, Samsung pads, whatever you have out there, you can check us out by going to both and putting in WWSRN. Um, uh, we have Josh joining us, as always. He was a part of the Sports Loud Mounts for over a year, and uh, he, he's come in and joined us. He's teaching right now, and he's been very, very busy with his son, my gingerbread man, and uh, his beautiful wife. So he's joining us for right now, and uh, we have our first guest of the show. We are now talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor. This is a fantastic name. Mike Guizdala. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? What's going on? Oh, we're just chilling, talking about LeBron James' stupidity and Kyrie Irving's dopiness. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Uh, checking up on all the updates to see if there hasn't been a uh, Brian Cashman Twitter verified account that hasn't already, you know, basically confirmed, uh, you know, every free agent to the Yankees. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, now that you see, you know, teams filling out qualifying offers and kind of gauging the market at this point. But, um, but yeah, it should be, it should be cool to see, um, you know, what, is prioritized after you know after that press conference where we do really really didn't learn very much uh you know once again i mean you could have been watching the same press conference from you know three years ago with brian cashman and aaron boone and you know just change a few names here and there but uh 
you know, hopefully, you know, we we do see some changes this this time around because this team, I, I mean, they're they're closer, but <laughs> they're they're gonna make have to make some moves certainly. We are talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor Mike Wasdala. You know, it's so interesting. We 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 speak about. Obviously, Brian Cashman, who still doesn't have a contract. We have not yeah. heard from Hal Steinbrenner uh, that he is extending him, which more than likely means they're negotiating a deal. Uh, we've mm-hmm. also heard from Hal Steinbrenner that he is not moving on from Aaron Boone, uh, as we know, uh, as of right now. And now with the whole Aaron Judge situation and uh, obviously Anthony Rizzo opting out of the, uh, the extended contract, and uh, now they're uh, qualifying or giving qualifying offers, which – doesn't really help the thought of keeping Aaron Judge. That's really a smack in the face, in my eyes, to Aaron Judge. Uh, if, if you're giving him a qualifying offer, you might as well give him an, give him a contract that he would like. If you're qualifying an offer, give him a three hundred million dollar contract. I think that would, you know, obviously not upset him. Or maybe give him a two hundred eighty or two hundred ninety million dollar contract and and give him a six year extension. That would probably make. Aaron Judge happy. Are you surprised right now as we sit today and obviously Thursday uh, as everything opens up to free agency? Are you surprised that the Yankees are not, uh, you know, coming out and, and probably offering uh, a decent extension? Yeah, I, I think it's surprising from the standpoint that, you know, you would think that given what he did, uh, you know, this past season, maybe they're just waiting to see what other teams do, what the interest out there is. But you would think that, you know, just based off of what he has accomplished with the organization and everything and how, you know, everybody talks about Aaron Judge and, you know, the guys in that club, how he talks about the guys in that clubhouse, how they talked about him and how they view him, you know, as a de facto captain, how that might influence guys to come or not come back. Uh, it, it is surprising that they haven't been uh, a little bit more aggressive. You would think that that would have to be the priority. I, I mean, I can understand from their standpoint the type of the pro type player he is, given his size. And historically, we really haven't seen a guy outside of maybe like a Dave Winfield really progress well with age um, at that size. So, I mean, in an ideal world, like to see him maybe sign for a higher AAV with less years in an ideal world. But um, I, I don't, I, I can't see that happening. I, I feel like he's going to get something where it's going to have to be ownership stepping in and which is kind of foreign to this, to this group. Um, you know, not since George Steinbrenner with, with A-Rod, did you have, you know, ownership intervene on a long-term deal like that. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it is a little bit surprising. That did you, been... did you listen to Derek? Did you actually check out ESPN's Derek Jeter uh, documentary? Did you check that out? I did. Yes. Yep. And did you hear that um, during the, obviously the negotiations of his final contract, the 60 million that the Yankees offered him. Uh, he thought that the Yankees were lowballing him and that had a lot to do with Brian Cashman. And we've heard that Brian Cashman has disres- disrespected, you know, former players, players that were so very important. He practically pushed them out because he didn't want to extend them to the money that they thought they deserved. Are, are you, I don't mm-hmm. think this is a surprise that 
uh, Brian Cashman is standing his uh, standing standing tall on this and saying, you know what, we gave you a good contract, we gave you a good offer. Uh, if you don't want to mm-hmm. accept it, well, then go out there and find a better offer. I I, I do mm-hmm. believe that there there are quite a few teams that are going to offer him seven to eight years worth about $300 million. This is a man that hit 62 home runs. This is a man that almost won a batting title, almost won a triple crown. crown. I I mean, there, and honestly was probably the best right fielder in, in all of baseball this year. And by the way, he played center fielder. He was center. He was the Yankee center fielder for half the season, play multiple positions in the outfield and do it as well as he did. And he could steal 16, 16 bases. I, I, to me, is a guy that I would offer him. I wouldn't offer him three hundred million. I would offer him a six-year deal and 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 jump it up forty-eight, forty-nine million a year and and call it a day. But I don't think Brian Cashman's going to do that. I I think he's gone. I think he's on his way to San Francisco. I think he was on his way to San Francisco two years ago. Yeah, and I mean, you like you said, you know, you certainly have seen this in the past with uh, Yankee farmhands. More so than, you know, guys coming in from outside the organization. You saw it with, you know, the back and forth between Derek Jeter, the, the front office basically saying, hey, if you can find a better offer, you know, have that at Haas and try and find something better. Same with Jorge Posada and Mariano Rivera. Robbie Cano, they let him walk. I mean, they gave him a generous deal, but, you know, they let him walk to Seattle. Andy Pettit, they let him walk to Houston. Uh, Bernie Williams, you know, I know he was at the tail end of his career, but you know, they give him a minor league uh, offer in 2007. And even before that, after the 98 season, I mean, it took some, you know, 11th hour intervention from keeping him from going either to with Buck Showalter to the Diamondbacks or uh, to over to the Boston Red Sox. So it doesn't surprise me that they treat guys this way. And, you know, if, if he wants to go home, I think it's just a matter of what Aaron wants. And, um, you know, if the money in the years are comparable and, you know, he and his family feel comfortable with that, I, I, I totally agree. I could see the Frisco, um, you know, or, or elsewhere on the, on the West coast. Um, Errol was talking about the body types and you were talking a lot about the, the center field stuff with the body types too. Now, do you think that contributes into what he ends up getting as a contract long-term? Because we've also seen now the national league with the DH really taking over. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that that definitely opens up his market and his marketability. That you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to eat those last few years of of a deal with him, um, or not eat necessarily, but you know, you're going you're not going to have him as your center fielder, right fielder, and at that tail end of the contract. So, uh, you know, to me, that makes him more attractive with the DH. Um, but again, you know, the Yankees are, you know, they're also looking for flexibility there. Um, already having Giancarlo Stanton clogging that up with the DH hole. And ultimately, I feel like they are going to try and look for some flexible that's fair. And with Judge, I think he's just going to, you know, basically hit the market and try, um, you know, what, what's the ideal fit for his family? I know we the the constant conversation is about Aaron Judge and San Francisco, and that's going to be a big ploy with them. I mean, you know, as you said earlier, Mike, it, it happened with Robinson Cano. What's going? You know, if this happens, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Giants offer him an eight or nine year deal worth 350, 375, I mean, if you're the Yankees, you have to say see you later. Because uh, then what you mm-hmm. could do is, I understand you're not getting a comparable player like a judge, but you could spend that money elsewhere. I'm a Met fan and I'm in the same boat with Jacob DeGrom. If DeGrom, mm-hmm. who says he wants to go to Texas and the Rangers yeah. offer him a four year deal worth 160, 175, I'm going to say see you later. Unfortunately, because I got, I, I we need to use the the asset to another point. Mm-hmm. Can you see? Do you think the Yankees already have a plan B in regards to if Judge leaves? Can they mm-hmm. sign a a Carlos Rodon to add to the rotation? Add a Brandon Nimmo, put him in the outfield, mm-hmm. and get another bat for that lineup, like a Jose Abreu, maybe or something to help with the DH spot and try to kind of piece it together. Sure. I mean, I, I could see what um, them trying to, you know, finagle something akin to what the uh, 2001 Seattle Mariners kind of did in that respect with, you know, A-Rod bolting to Texas with that big deal. You know, they bring in guys uh, like Ichiro and they kind of filled in here and there with, you know, with solid players and more of a you know a balanced roster. Uh, the thing with, with the Yankees, like, I'm just not sure what the reactionary move is at this point. You know, do they go younger? Do you know? Do they try and you know go more with, um, you know, like Volpe and Peraza and Cabrera around the infield? You know, do they make some deals and try and offload some cash? You know, try and go more for pitching with like a Pablo Lopez or. Um, uh, you know, Corbin Burns out in, or not Corbin, um, Brandon Woodruff out in Milwaukee, uh, or, you know, do they try and go for some short-term fixes like a guy in the outfield, like a, like a Michael Brantley who can make good contact, he walks, you know, be a prototypical leadoff guy. But that's that's also the other thing that you've seen in recent years, too, where that's been kind of troubling is some of the reactions to when these guys bolt. You know, look at the reaction when they lost Robbie Cano. They go out and dump a Brinks truck on Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, <laughs> you know, when they lost Andy Pettit, they go out and they trade for uh, Kevin Brown. You know, that was a flop. So, you know, I hope that they have, you know, something in mind as a plan B. Uh, I'm not sure what direction that they would go with that. I almost feel like if you do sign Aaron Judge, you equally have to be going for it as well. Because you want to take full advantage of that um, early part of the contract when he's going to be at his highest level. So that's I guess that's kind of the trick, too. You know, do they just say, um, you know, we're going to just focus all of our energy out to Aaron? Or do we say, you know, we're, you know, yeah, no, we're all in now. We're, we got him with that contract and it's kind of like all, all bets are off in terms of, the salary, but I, I can't see them. That just hasn't been their trend in recent recent years. With uh, you know sticking under the luxury tax, we are talking to over it. we are talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor Mike Guzdala. There is a story coming out that the Yankees are very interested in Japanese star Matsutaka Yoshida. This is a guy that 
was one of the best hitters in Japan last year. Uh, a guy that a lot of people believe would fit what the Yankees are looking for. He's a left-handed bat. He hits for average. Uh, he has some power. Uh, is he Aaron Judge? He had 21 home runs last year. Uh, he walked 80 times. He struck out only 41 times. This is a guy that really, if you if, if you read some stories from uh, major league players that are playing in Japan, say that he's one of those guys that you could tell would fit a lot of MLB teams because he puts the 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 barrel on the bat. So uh, he puts the barrel on the ball and and he can hit it all over the field. So uh, he is a guy. He's 29 years old. Uh, if you remember, uh, you know uh, Godzilla. When he came uh, to the Yankees, he was 28, 29 years old. He was at, you know, he he was a star over there in Japan. Now, he, obviously, uh, Yoshida does not have the power that uh, Matsui had. But this is a guy, Matsui also was very good when it comes to batting average. He was a left-handed bat. Uh, the Yankees have been very comfortable bringing in Japanese left-handed bat uh, hitters over the years. So this isn't the first time Ma- Matsui wasn't the first one. So what are your thoughts? If they lose Aaron Judge, and they already said if they bring Aaron Judge back, mm-hmm. you know, back, they're still going to be looking for um, another bat in the outfield that can hit for average and also play the field. Mm-hmm. If they lose Aaron Judge, I would say it's a foregone conclusion. Yoshida is a New York Yankee. Uh, have you heard anything about that when it comes to uh, what you've written about? Or uh, have you spoken to any anybody from the Yankees organization that they're very intrigued and very interested in this kid? I mean, I'm sure that they're they're certainly in discussions. They're they're definitely in in the mix. Um, anytime there, there's a big free agent. Um, especially an international star like Yoshida, uh, you know, that he's, you know, certainly on their radar. Um, And, you know, like you said, when you can get a guy, and this is what I feel like they have to get back to a lot of, um, you know, with him and, you know, I I don't know how much he compares uh, with Matsui or not, or, you know, what, what level he's on. Well, Matsui was a 50 home run hitter when he, when he came to the Yankees, he he was, they called him Godzilla because I, I remember it was Jason Giambi that when they played in the world champion, I think the world championships of baseball, Jason Giambi Mm -hmm. played for team USA. Matsui played for Japan. Uh, Jason Giambi was the one that walked up to Matsui and said, uh, that I think you would be a great fit for the Yankees. And, and Jason mm-hmm. Giambi is the one who talk, spoke to, uh, obviously, Matsui and his agent stating uh, that uh, that Matsui would be a perfect fit with the New York Yankees. And that was where the Yankees, uh, Giambi came back, spoke to Brian Cashman, and obviously uh, made that move. The Yankees made that move, bringing Matsui to the Yankees. I don't think he's the same type of power hitter as Matsui, but Matsui, what was the most home runs he hit in a, Yan- in a Yankee uniform? I think it was like 28, 27. I don't yeah, think he I hit, mean, I don't think he hit 40, 50 far. home runs. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is a kid that hit 21 home runs last year. He steals bases. He, he hits for average, just like Matsui. Uh, they said he's a great, um, He's a great hitter on when it comes to clutching, or, you know, as far as you know, with the clutch, hit clutch hitting, which is something the Yankees don't have. Thirty-one home runs. 30, Thirty-one mm-hmm. home runs. That was the most that Matsui hit. Two thousand four. So, so I, I mean, he again. They said he's a, he's he's a player that can hit for average. He hit three twenty-seven last mm-hmm. year. 
uh, the Yankees were uh, hitting at, I think they were 173 yep. in the playoffs. This guy, a lot of people believe, could be a gold glove defensive player as well. Now, I don't know if he has a, an arm like Ichiro Suzuki, but uh, Matt Sui didn't have a great arm in the outfield, but he was a pretty good defensive nah. player. So, I, I mean, I, again, I don't think he's Matt Sui, but I, I do believe the Yankees need left-handed hitting. And the guy, mm-hmm. and now that there's no shifts, for a guy that can hit 327 in Japan, every single, mostly every single, besides the one the Cubs brought in last year, who started off pretty strong and then completely died off, mostly every Japanese star that's come into the major leagues and and were expected to be pretty good players became pretty good hitters in the majors. So I believe this kid, and this kid's better than the kid that the... Uh, the Cubs brought in. I don't think he's Matsui, but I think he's a guy that the Yankees are definitely looking at uh, when they need left-handed hitting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and if you're replacing Aaron judge with him, um, you know, you replace judges star with an international star power right there. You know, the, t- the team definitely, you know, looks at that as far as, um, from a marketing standpoint, you know, along with the baseball. And you need that left-handed bat at Yankee Stadium, you know, just like left-handed bat, left-handed pitching. I mean, um, it, and what they need in the postseason, um, you know, granted, fine. You know, I, I'm not an anti-home run guy at, by any means. You know, a lot of teams won. You look at most of the games that were won by the team that hit more home runs. That said, uh, you want to have that balance and you want to have guys who can get timely hits, who can, you know, can do different things. And that, you know, that's what Matsui gave you, uh, you know, for close to a decade there was, you know, clutch, timely hitting, uh, you know, home run, double, uh, you know, whatever you needed. Uh, he could, you know, roll out of bed and get a base hit in the playoffs. With, also, you know, right. also, Mike, there's something, and Josh, we, we speak about this a lot. A lot of people believe Otani doesn't want to play in New York. Now, you bring in Yoshida from Japan, who obviously knows Otani, mm-hmm. um, a guy that's very well respected. Uh, you know, obviously, Otani is very well respected. He's a star, you know, here in the majors. He's mm-hmm. a star over there in Japan. If you bring in Yoshida and Yoshida wants to play here with the Yankees, maybe you can pry Otani away next year. From the Anaheim Angels, so or the LA Angels, so mm-hmm. why couldn't that happen? I mean, you bring in Yoshida, you say, okay, we'll bring in this guy. Uh, we're gonna make, we're gonna bring some J- Japanese players to come and play with you, Otani, and, and you bring in a pit, a, a guy that could pitch, to put in that rotation with Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez. Plus, mm-hmm. plus, ladies and gentlemen, you get a hitter and you get another left-handed bat in that lineup, which the Yankees love yeah. left-handed bats, switch hitters and left-handed bats. And the Yankees have not had a predominant left-handed lineup since the nineties. Huh? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you looked at all those guys, you know, like you said, the lefties and the, you know, switch hitters like Bernie and Jorge. Tino Martinez, um, Paul O'Neill. Tino, I, I, I mean, go up and down that roster. All the Yankees, mm-hmm. the top Yankee players that were in. And Bernie Williams was a left-handed, right-handed hitter. He was a switch hitter. Yep. That lineup was predominantly lefty. Wade Boggs, lefty. We could go up and down that roster when they were good. And, and in the 90s, they were left-handed. Mm-hmm. They were predominant left-handed hitters. They're not left-handed mm-hmm. hitters anymore. Go look at the roster right now. The starting lineup for the New York Yankees. Tell me 
how many left-handed hitters were in that lineup? Starters. Right. I mean, you got Rizzo, basically. Um, uh, I'll use air quotes for Aaron Hicks <laughs> in his, <laughs> his switch hitter. Um, but, yeah, you look – I mean, Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, but, you know, after that, it, you know, it really drops off. And, you know, there's not too many you you need, know, lefty options. You need – and, Josh, you know this. You need – in Yankee Stadium, they're known for left-handed power. That's what they, they look for. And I think that's what the Yankees need to do this offseason. Fine left-handed hitting. That's what the Yankees have been. You you said Brantley. Michael Brantley's a left-handed hitter. Do yeah. if that's what the Yankees need to do this offseason. If they decide to part ways with Aaron Judge, don't spend too much money. Bring in these international players, right, Josh? I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're a big fan. You know a lot about baseball. I mean, am I wrong? Should the Yankees bring in left-handed hitters if they lose Aaron Judge? I mean, I look at it, and I agree with you 100%. I definitely think to take advantage of that short porch in right field, I mean, it's just amazing that they really have not found that person yet to even take advantage of it because, I mean, like Mike said and what you've been saying, Errol, two things you got to remember. One, how long can the Yankees wait for Aaron Judge to even make a decision on this at this point? Because the problem is if guys are going off the board – like this guy's gone, this guy's getting this guy, and then Aaron Judge still hasn't made a decision yet. Things are screwed. That's one, and two, you also have to factor in that contract because you're still paying Stan, you're still paying Cole a lot of money. If you give Judge a big contract, how much of that, how much of that team's salary is going towards three players? And again, that's why I allude to it, not to go off with the Yankees, but again, I allude to it with the with the Mets with Jacob DeGrom. I'd rather use that money and build build a team with that asset rather than just putting it all on one guy. I think the Yankees might uh, – listen, Aaron Judge is an unbelievable talent. We know this. We get it. He's great. If he says, I want eight years and 350, 360 – I'm letting him go to the Giants, and I, I'm I'm trying to build it because the thing of it is, if Judge comes back, how are the Yankees building this team still? With what money? Where is that money coming from? Other than those three players and Stan, Judge, and Cole, still, how can they build around that team? They can't. It's hard, and it's like sitting with the Mets with the Grom. If the Grom comes back, how are the Mets going to build this team when they're paying these guys? So it's it's just. The Yankees have to pick and choose their battles with this. They have to figure out, all right, Judge, I need to give a deadline for this. This is the deadline. I need a hard one. Let me know. Are you taking it or not? If you're not taking it, we have to move on because other guys are going off the board here. Trey Turner's going off the board, Bogarts, Correa, Brantley, et cetera, et cetera. They needed this. There is no way the Yankees are bringing in Trey Turner. I, I've been reading stories that the I'm Yankees, just throwing names. No, out I'm there. just saying mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Everybody keeps talking about Trey Turner. The Yankees would be stupid. They have so many shortstops right now in their farm system. They have Volpe, who I believe yeah. will be called up. Either he'll make the team. He has to be called up because they didn't trade him, and the, they didn't want they didn't want to trade for him right. for Castillo. Right. He'll make he's either he's either going to make the team uh, from obviously um, early, early on, or they're going to call him up one way or another in April or June. That's where I think he he will be called up and he will be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. Pereza, I believe they're going to eventually move him to second base. 
I believe that this offseason is a big year, a big offseason for the Yankees, because I would trade. Glaber Torres did not look good defensively in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He has not. And I like Glaber. I think he has a lot of talent. He just, I don't know if he, just like, obviously, Gary Sanchez, I don't know if he can handle the pressure being here. And even though he's a great hitter in the playoffs, he's a career 330 hitter in the playoffs, Glaber Torres. Even this year, he was over 300, and he was the only one, average-wise, that was hitting for the Yankees. I still believe Glaber Torres he he doesn't have a normal position. Just Gary Sanchez should have played first base, not not catcher. I think the Yankees should have made him a first baseman. Uh, they didn't do that. They thought he wanted to play catcher. And look, he's with the Twins and he stinks. I don't think he. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Glaber Torres. You don't know what position he is. He's not a shortstop. Is he a second baseman? I don't know. We don't know what he is. I, I think he's a DH. I really do. And now that the National League has a has a DH now. I think that the Yankees should look into moving Glaber Torres. He had over 25 home runs. He he had over 80 RBIs. This guy, uh, I, you know, I believe he could be a career 280, 290 hitter, uh, depending on where he's playing and what lineup he's in. I, I just don't think he fits here. And I think with the the depth that the Yankees have in their farm system, uh, system, Mike, uh, Mike. And by the way, we are talking to the Bronx Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor, Mike Wisdala. If 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 Glaber Torres is a piece that they can get a significant amount back from, I would make I would make that move. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I feel like you know with that infield depth, you know you have to make the most of it. Otherwise, you're you're already devaluing those guys right off the lot because you held on to them in other potential trades. You know we saw that there was almost at the deadline Torres uh, for Pablo Lopez with the Marlins. Maybe they revisit that. You know, uh, you know that that's something that Miami takes. Um, you know, as far as uh, you know, just having uh, you know him, uh, you know, having a better fit down there. Uh, but you know, and then you still you figure you still got a guy like Lemayhu. Um, who slots in as a utility guy who can bounce all over. And, you know, the, the thing with the Yankees, they just have to commit to a direction here, I feel like. You know, commit to saying, you know, is Volpe, you know, Volpe the guy? Give him a shot. Is Peraza the guy? Give him a shot. Uh, it, you know, you know, you've got, they, they juggled through a bunch of short stops. You know, they didn't know one day to the next which guy was starting at short. They didn't know which guy was going to be the leadoff hitter in the playoffs. You know, you're you're messing around with this stuff. So they really have to start committing to a direction on some of these guys. And and again, you know, you you have to trade a guy like Gleyber Torres while you have value with him, because we've seen in recent vintage, you know, some of these other guys like Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, um, Greg Bird, even to a lesser degree with uh, Gary Sanchez, uh, you know, uh, like a Justice Sheffield. I mean, I could go on with some of these guys where you have to know your system and, you know, what guys to flip and when to flip them or who to keep, who not to keep. And so, you know, before you completely devalue a guy like Labor Torres, you might want to strike while the iron's hot and he's got some value and you can get, you know, maybe some pitching back for him 
or another knee or an outfielder. So one of the polarizing things with uh, with the Yankees have been Aaron Boone. A lot of fans hate him. A lot of fans do like him. He's been very successful when it comes to wins, but some of his postseason strategy has been kind of questionable. I thought he did a little better this time around outside of maybe the first game of the Cleveland series, and now he's on the last year of his deal. So where did your stances on Aaron Boone as a manager, and is he on the hot seat this year? Um, I... I I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think the organization uh, likes him. I think they like a lot of what he's done. Um, you know, I, I mean, from the industry standpoint, I feel like, you know, they they feel like they're comfortable with him. Um, that, you know, he has been a good communicator, you know, has put out a winning product with the team uh, thus far. Uh, personally, uh, you know, I... I don't, you know, I, I would honestly would have loved to have gone in a direction with maybe a little bit more of an experienced guy or um, even if they had more, maybe more of a coaching staff around him that um, where you had kind of maybe a more veteran voice to, you know, put ideas off of because, you know, you look back at the, the winning teams in the 90s and, you know, you had Joe Torre, you know, you also had a guy like, uh, Don Zimmer, who, you know, they would bounce stuff, kind of yin and yang thing strategy-wise, um, you know, and bounce stuff off of each other. And, you know, they had, you know, like Willie Randolph on the coaching staff. So, um, I, and, you know, Mel Stoudemire is a pitching coach and Chris Chambliss and on and on. But, um, but yeah, with Boone, I, I just feel like he's a guy that, has gotten a long leash and I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of the shots are being called from upstairs and it's, it's be it Brian Cashman or the analytical department. Um, I, I feel like that's where, it, you know, it gets to be a little bit longer of a leash with him. And if you look at it with Aaron Boone, since Miller Huggins started, man, you know, since the Miller Huggins years, going all the way back to then. And Miller Huggins, in his fourth and fifth year, he won two two consecutive pennants, and it wasn't until his sixth year that he won a World Series. And no Yankee manager has lasted that long uh, without winning a championship since. And, you know, like Buck Showalter, I think, was the longest he was <clears throat> four years. So this is year number six for Aaron Boone. So, you know, he's got to make good on this and uh it's i mean in the fans eyes i, I would say you know it, it's it's you know not up or shut up time for aaron boone but uh, uh, i don't i don't think that the front office necessarily has that feeling as everybody knows we are talking to bronx pinstripes writer and editor mike was last question for us uh before we let you go mike um mm-hmm. with everything you know ta- spoken about this off season. I wanted if you were the GM right now and you had the opportunity to bring in a player, lose players, give me your top three players you would bring in and give me your top three players you would let go right now for the Yankees if you were the GM of the New York Yankees. I guess it would have to depend a lot where you're starting with, with Aaron Judge. Um, I'd like to bring him back. Mm-hmm. but So that's a guy you um, want to bring back, right? So three I, guys I, that you want to you, – you would bring back or bring in – or th- and three guys that you would just let go. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think, depends on the contract and the years, um, more so the years to me uh, with Aaron Judge. But um, if the, you know, if it was a shorter term deal, yeah, I, I would, I would think him back. Um, you know, as far as, you know, they, they definitely need, you know, somebody, you know, out in left field. Um, so Yoshida, yeah, you're bringing Yoshida. He's a left field. He could play left field. He could play center. He could play right field. And he's a left-handed mm-hmm. hitter. So, okay, you're bringing Yoshida. You bring back Aaron Judge. That's yeah. two guys. You look at the overall roster, I still feel like they need upgrades at pitching, too. Whether that's a... Bullpen, big-time uh, bullpen. I don't think the Yankees need bullpen, and I'll tell you why. The Yankees had the best bullpen in baseball until they had all these injuries. Mm-hmm. They lost Chad Green. They lost. Uh, they brought in some bullpen help, Trevino and uh, the kid from the Cubs. Yeah. Flush, he couldn't stay healthy, but they had a great bullpen. They lost King, Michael King, great bullpen arm. He was a, he was a very important part of the bullpen. Even if they lose Chapman and they bring back Britain this year, this is still a great bullpen. I don't think the Yankees need bullpen arms. They have uh, uh, Davey, uh, what's his name again? Davey Garcia. Davey Garcia coming back. They have so many mm. arms coming back now from injury. I don't think they need bullpen. If you want to Rendon or Rendon, uh, you could bring him in. He's a left-handed, you know, pitcher. If you if you want to mm-hmm. say that, you bring in another arm like that. Uh, but okay, so you have. Let's say you bring in Rendon. You bring Aaron Judge back, and you bring in Yoshida. Give me three players right now on this roster that you just get rid of or you trade. Um. Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donaldson, um, Aaron luck. Hicks. And, you well, buy, yeah, yeah you, that's, that's you, the other problem. He's got one um, year left on his contract. They could buy him out. I, I think they're getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't believe he'll be on this roster next year. I, as a matter of fact, right. I know an inside guy with the Yankees that told me they're going to buy him out. So he will not be a Yankee next year. So he has $25 million left on his contract. The Yankees will negotiate a deal with him where they could probably give him a quarter of that or half of that or whatever. What will make him happy if they can give him $15, 16000000 million, just get him, get him off this roster. He is not uh, a professional baseball player anymore. As you saw in the playoffs, the guy could not hit. So Donaldson, uh, well, he could field. He just, he, his problem is, is he has this, this confidence level that he has, the arm strength that he had five, six years ago, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you saw that. He held no. on to the ball too long, and he looked stupid when he was doing it. So... Uh, I do believe he could play the field. I just don't know if he can hit anymore. So Donaldson's one of them. Give us another one. Aaron Hicks, I, I can't see them marching him back out. He's under contract. I totally understand all that. And, you know, I don't know if there's a way that, you know, attach him with profit. I mean, the guy just seemed like he just zoned out. Like he just didn't want to, like, he, he was uh, – Totally affected by the fans, and it was just not a good situation. It was just okay. I, I just don't. I mean, so, so I mean, yeah. fine if you want to bring him back on the bench, maybe, but I, I can't roll him. He's out only making ten million a year. I think the Yankees bring him back. He's a good. He he's a good player that you can maneuver out in the field. You could play him at center. You could play him at left. I don't know if he could play center field anymore because his arm hasn't been the same since the UCL mm. tear. But he could still play right. He could still play left. So. Uh, he's cheap. I, I bring back Aaron Hicks if it was me, but I understand Aaron Hicks. So you have two guys. Give me one more. Chapman would be mine. I don't bring him back. Well, no, I mean I think that he, he's pretty obviously out of there. You know, after going a wall, even before that, just based on his on-field performance or you know just how that's gone down. Um, I, I think they've kind of learned their lesson in in terms of that. Hopefully, in terms of 
mm. um, you know, with giving those ridiculous deals, mm. uh, you know, to a couple of guys in the back end of the bullpen, yeah. like Chapman, like um, Zach Britton, uh, that kind of backfired toward the end of that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that with him, um, just trying to think of. Who else on the roster? I could tell you. I could really... tell you a bunch of players. I bring Bader back, Hicks back. You have him on the bench. You can you could put him in different positions. Uh, if you lose Aaron Judge, which I would, I honestly, I would let Aaron Judge walk. Save some money. Don't overspend this offseason because you have Otani and Soto on the board next year, where they're going to be available and teams are going mm-hmm. to bid for him. And the Yankees could get either or, or even both of them if they get rid of Aaron Judge, who are still young players in Soto and Otani. Uh, you're bringing Yoshida. Yoshida will be cheap. The Yankees are not going to have to overextend and pay him more than $60 million, which for the Yankees is nothing. Um, you bring back Anthony Rizzo. You give him an extension. He wants to be here. He, I think he'd be a born leader for this team. Uh, you give him a three-year extension. Mm-hmm. He still could play. Uh, get trade Glaber Torres. Move Cabrera to that second-base position. Start the season off with Pereza. Get rid of uh, kind of Falefa. He's gone. I would move on from him. Josh Donaldson's mm-hmm. gone. You have DJ LeMayu as your third baseman starting the season. Bring back Trevino. There you go. There's your lineup of the year. I think that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring in a piece here and bring up a piece there. If, if the Yankees like a piece or here, you know, maybe you bring in Correa. If Correa is a good fit for the Yankees where you could move him. I, honestly, Correa could play multiple positions in the infield. So, I, I don't overextend or overpay for Correa, but I, I give Correa 140, 150 million uh, for four years if he wants to come to the Yankees and make about 30 million a year. I would give that to him. Um, but if if he doesn't, and he probably will get more somewhere else because he's still young, then let him go. You don't need him. I, I, and, and as far as Tayon, I get rid of Tayon. Uh, Tayon couldn't uh, really play when it came to the pressure. Uh, I, I think you pretty much. You know, you you, you kind of with your your starting rotation, you you kind of know where it's going to be. You have you have Savarino, you're you're giving him the extension. You have Savarino, Garrett Cole, and Nestor Cortez, and then you piece everything else together to that that pitching staff. It, the Yankees will still be a 91 team, and with you know some maybe an acquisition here, an acquisition there with their bullpen. If they stay healthy, the Yankees will compete in the American League East. They're not going to win a World Series, but it's not going to be next year. It'll be the year after. And as far as Aaron Boone's concerned, if Aaron Boone if the Yankees don't make a lot of moves and they lose Aaron Judge and they bring in a piece here and a piece there and they make the playoffs, they keep Aaron Boone for another year. If he doesn't make the playoffs, they get rid of him and they bring in, um, I guess, a, a manager that has experience and that has done it. I know, I, as much as I love Don Manley, he's my favorite player. I do not bring in Don Manley. Don Manley is not a winner. He's never won anywhere as a player. He's never won as a manager. As much as I love him, and I know the Yankees love him too, and I know Yankee fans would be excited to bring Donnie baseball uh, with the Yankees uh, Yankees roster. I do not bring Don Manley, but we, Mike, we really appreciate you joining us as always. Um, sure. yeah. uh, we'd love to get you on again. Uh, tell the fans how they can find uh, your stories on the Bronx Pinstripes. Sure. Uh, well, um, my Twitter handle is at Mike Wisdala, uh, and uh, if you go to BronxPinstripes.com. Uh, you can find my, my stories along with uh, the rest of my colleagues and the rest of the BP crew over there. Our podcast with the Bronx Pinstripe Show with uh, Scott and Andrew and um, George's Box with JJ and Nick and uh, 161st Boys. So, you know, we got a big 
big network over there that you know is constantly growing. So, um, you know, definitely check out you know our site at uh, bronxpinstripes.com to you know see what's happening this off season with the hot stove. Hopefully, it you know revs up soon. Thank you, Mike. We really appreciate you. Yep. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, keep up the good work, and we'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. As you know, we were talking to Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor, Mike Guizdala. Great name, Guizdala. I really like the name. Uh, knowledgeable guy with the Yankees. He knows his stuff. And uh, as uh, as we were speaking w- with with the whole Aaron Judge situation, I mean, if you're, if you're a Yankee fan, I would be – uh, I, I would say I would be upset, but I won't be upset because I think they, the Yankees cannot overpay a player of that magnitude. Um, he's fantastic. He's a great player. Uh, he's 31 years old. He's going to be 31 when the season starts next year. Uh, if I was the GM of the New York Yankees, you have to look at the future of this organization and where this organization is going. And to me, this organization is going one way, and it, it's falling apart. And as much as everybody says, well, they were in the American League Championship and, and they had a chance to go to World Series, they had no chance of going to the World oh. Series. Nobody thought they were beating the, the Astros, including me. I, didn't, I wanted to believe that they could beat the Astros, but the Astros, to me, hit for average this year. They have uh, a really good farm system. They have, they're a very, run, very good run organization, and they have a great rotation. Now Justin Verlander is opting out of the option, so... Honestly, if I were the Yankees, I would give Justin Verlander a call and, and reach out to his agent. I know he's not I, – I, I understand that he's 39 years old. He's going to be 40 when the season starts next year. He is going to win the Cy Young again this year. So he was the best pitcher in the American League. He knows how to pitch in the American League. I would bring him in as a one-year player. If, you, if you're not going to re-sign Aaron Judge – it's a contract that you can absolutely bring in. $30 million, pay Verlander, put him with Garrett Cole. They've pitched very well together. And then you bring in, obviously, Nestor Cortez, Saffarino. You have the best rotation in the American League. You win with pitching. That is how you win. And by the way, Verlander has pitched for the Astros for how many years? Five years. He knows the hitters on that, on that roster. I would absolutely bring in Justin Verlander. That's just my opinion. What about you, Josh? It's funny because I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, the thing of it is, the Astros, whether Verlander leaves or not, they're not going anywhere. They still will have the starting pitching. No you question. Have, you, you know, they have, they have. you know, obviously you saw what Christian Javier did, right, in the playoffs. The guy threw a no-hitter in the playoffs. It's insane. You you know, you saw Framber Valdez. You have Hunter Brown, who is going to be an absolute stud. Some are comparing him to Verlander. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. So he'll be there. You have uh, Louis Garcia, but I, 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 I and know, then the end of you have yeah. Lance McCullers. We so we know yeah, they and, have pitching, and we all know yeah. that. But the Yankees, if they lose, just obviously Aaron Judge. Uh, I know Yankee fans are going to be upset that he is going, to, and I I think the only way the Yankees lose him if he goes to San Francisco. If he he's not, the Yankees are not going to go in a bidding war with the Mets. They're not going to. Oh, the bid. Mets already said they're not. I'm gonna, just they, saying they already have an agreement in place. Which, by the way, really quickly about that mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, they 100 percent need to look into as collusion. The fact that Hal Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen are coming to an agreement that they're not going to do this. That's if I'm the Players Association. That's 100% collusion right there that this is the problem with Major League Baseball. They have to – like, so basically what the report was was 
because Cohen and Steinbrenner are good friends. Cohen told Steinbrenner, we're not going after him if you're trying to sign him. If you back out, we will look into it. That's collusion. And that's the problem with Major League Baseball. That's a massive problem. And this is why a lot of the players don't like the owners. Because you're, you, that's, like, that's like saying if Edwin Diaz hit the free agency market. You don't think Edwin Diaz would have fit the Yankees? But how Simon Brenner would have said, ah, you know, that narco thing is pretty good in the Met uniform. He seems to be marketing it. Well, we're not going to go after him. That just seems just both owners. That just seems weird. The, going back to Verlander quick, the, the, the thing of it, is, and we have to understand something. Verlander was from a one out of 10 in the playoffs, maybe a five and a half, six. He was, he's never been a good playoff pitcher. He's one of the worst statistically ranked world series pitchers in major league baseball history. It's a matter of, do the Yankees want to go that again, it's all hinges on judge. Right. And I told Mike this earlier and you guys heard too. How long can the Yankees wait on judge? before other players on the market start going. And then the Yankees have to say, yeah, this is a problem. Uh, because, um, and again, being a Met fan, this happened a couple of years ago with the Mets. The, the JT Real Muto wanted to come to the Mets. The Mets were going to talk to him. And they gave him a deadline. He said, I haven't decided yet. They went in another direction. They went with James McCant, as I call him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to me, the the thing of it is, though, the the point I'm trying to make is that's where there there needs to be a deadline. Right, Arrow? Because the problem is if there's no deadline and you're seeing the starting pitching market go off and you're seeing Brandon Nimmo go off and Michael Brantley go off and Judge still has not made a decision and we're in January. I believe Judge will be gone by next week. I, I, I think he will I be hope, off the listen, board. Listen, I wish you were right. Major League Baseball free agency tends to last. Not this longer, one because they're go- every team is going to wait until Aaron Judge is off the board. Before Which, by the way, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network is sponsoring me to go into the woods of meetings, by the way. Arrow has <laughs> it is happening. It's been sponsored. Full paid expense trip to where? Wait, where? I don't even know where is it at this year. Mister Moneybags over here. <laughs> yeah, where is where? Where is? Didn't the you Amazon say Arizona? Games? I think you said it was Arizona, wasn't it? Did I say it was Arizona? I think you did. Oh no, I'm definitely going this year. One hundred percent. It's in freaking. It's in San Diego. Oh, you're so sending me there. It's not even. Funny. Oh, we'll send, we'll send Chaz to the Winter Meetings. Perfect. No, forget that. <laughs> Chaz isn't even. Please, Chaz is like he knows that there's a. Honestly, honestly, Aaron Judge will be off the board probably by next week. The, the only way teams are going to move forward this offseason is when he is off the boards. He's the big name. Him and DeGrom, I, I do believe DeGrom will be leaving the Mets. I mean, you're here in Texas now. And That's now fine. They have a lot. I'm just, I know it's fine, yeah. but. If te- Texas didn't spend, I-, I heard from ownership last year when they made all those moves, they they spent a lot of money in the offseason, that, that Texas wanted to spend over $100 million on players. They only spent like $56, 57000000 million or something like that of that, you know, last year. I believe Jacob DeGrom now that is off the board, Texas will make a move for him. As everybody knows that uh, Jacob DeGrom has spoken out. Uh, over the last couple of years about Texas. Isn't that where he's from? Isn't that where he's from? Well, he's from Florida. But but his family, I think his his wife's family or something. Something with the family. It's something with his family is over there in Texas. And and I've heard from quite a few people that he would like to move down to Texas. Texas. Here's how I, I'll give my two cents in here with, with the whole DeGrom situation. It's a matter of, 
I will give him a three-year deal. I'll give him a high AAV. I'm not going more than that. If the Rangers want to give him four or five years for 180, I say good luck, Godspeed, have at it. Because the truth of the matter is, it wasn't like he wasn't getting paid. Now, was he the highest paid pitcher in baseball? But he was getting paid $138, $139 million. And let's call it like it is. When he signed that contract in 2019, how much of that contract did he actually play for? That's something right. that people are are missing. He didn't play. So the, it, it's the same with Verlander and the Astros. The Astros gave Verlander a two-year deal for $70 million. Yeah, how much did Verlander play for that? I feel like there's no respect level anymore of the the jubilation and the admiration and the class that Met fans have given the ground like Astros fans have given Justin Verlander and, and it's it's amazing that DeGrom listen if DeGrom wants to go to Texas in that bandbox and pitch in 120 degree heat and by the way play the Houston Astros in their division and the Seattle Mariners in their division he could do that that's that's his prerogative. I'm spending that money elsewhere because I look at it like this. If the Mets bring back the Grom, there's not much else they're going to be able to do. There's not. And and that is the massive – and that's something I think the Yankees have to stand pat on with Aaron Judge. It sucks to lose a player of that caliber. But if the guy – if the San Francisco Giants come at him, and they've already said they're going to outbid everybody. If they come at him with an eight-year deal where 360, 370 – the Yankees have to let him go. Right. The Yankees will let they, they will let they him will, go. They will say, good luck in California. It's been a pleasure. I don't think he – I don't think – I don't think Aaron Judge wants to be here anyways. I don't I – don't. No, and it, it's the same thing. Like, everybody keeps saying DeGrom. You know, Mark Hanna came out. Zach Wheeler came out during the World Series and said that DeGrom wants to be here. Personally, I think the whole Texas thing is DeGrom trying to drive up the price for the Mets. That's what I think this whole thing is. Is for him to get most the most money out of Steve Cohen. The thing of it is, Cohen's not stupid. The guy knows that he he he's basically going to say, "Okay, so you haven't pitched in the last two and a half years. Your playoff start against the Padres was, and I was at that game. I'd say a seven. It was about a seven, six and a half, seven. You weren't overly dominant. Your game against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta that weekend sucked." You get you, all we did was give three home runs. The Mets have to be weary of what this guy wants and what he's going to get. I'd rather use that money to go sign another bat and go get another starting pitcher. If they go and they sign like a Carlos Rodon, well, that's what I'm for, reading right you here. Know, and they trade for a Corbin Burns from Milwaukee or something like that, because apparently Burns is going to be available because Milwaukee is going to rebuild. Look into that. I'd rather do I, that. I'm reading. I'm reading. A, I'm reading a story right now, which came out 31 minutes ago. Sources say that New York Mets are interested in Carlos Rondon. That's what. That's what the story. Yeah, and says. it's the same thing with Trey Turner, and it's the same thing with Brandon Nimmo. I love Brandon Nimmo. I think he's great. But personally, I think Brandon Nimmo would be a great fit on the Yankees. That's my personal take. The short right field porch gets on base. He's a slap hitter. He's an on base guy. That's something I think the Yankees need in their lineup to be able to balance out that lineup. The thing of it is, if, if I'm going to choose between Trey Turner and Brandon Nimmo, it's a no contest. You want to hear? A, gonna, you want to hear another story? Uh, this, this is another story. Mets interested in Michael Conforto reunion. Oh. I did see that because the, the the thing of it is, is what the Mets are trying to do is they feel Conforto because he has to have a prove it year. 
they would do like a one-year deal with him. That's essentially the guy that I've been hearing the most, most buzz that apparently Billy Epler and Steve Cohen really want, and they've been discussing this the last two months, has not been Jacob DeGrom. The guy they've been discussing is Trey Turner because they want Trey Turner to be able – the guy is top five player in baseball, on base, power, stolen bases, good fielder. You're going to pay another guy $300 million? I don't know what he's going to get because the thing of it is, if the Mets go to sign – we we thought the same thing with the shortstop market last year, and it didn't fluctuate as well. This this guy is a top five player in the league. You don't think he's getting $300 million? I have no idea. Dude, I got Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner agreeing not to bid on Aaron Judge. I have no idea what these owners are. He thinking. is a three hundred million dollar player. He is going to make three hundred. How old is he? Twenty seven years old. Twenty six. Absolutely, Trey Turner is making three hundred million dollars. I got there. Was, so there was some. It, it's the craziest thing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find out what their p- people are estimating Trey Turner to make. This is what's been reported. It's saying. If the Mets or another team outside the player who received or declined a qualifying offer, they lose or they lose their second and fifth highest pick in the 2023 draft, as well as a million dollars in the international free agency market. So, to, like, when you think about it, you you think about things like that. Who's gonna want to lose those picks? Who's going to want to lose that money in the international market? That's what the problem with baseball is. They're setting – like Manfred wants to make this competitive. The problem is he's setting so many rules for the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the the, the Padres. The Brett, Cubs. you're on. You're oh, on I'm off now. Oh. Hey, Bye. everyone, look at you today. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he's Carol. trying – What's he up? Thinks he, he thinks he's Mike and the Where, Mad we, Dog. Good Yankees. I'm sorry? We got to get Donnie Baseball back in Yankee uniform. Wow. <laughs> Harold. Yes, I'm listening to you, Brett. We got to get Donnie Baseball back in Josh Lampin. <laughs> Brett, how on, old are you? On, on Br- Brett on the air. Brett, Brett, how old, <laughs> Brett, how old are you? How old am I? Yes. Yes, I'm gonna say you're about. <laughs> I'm gonna say you're about two going on four. Oh, Josh, you know? Josh. Oh God, have fun no, with him, the, guys. He's a nutcase. Josh. <laughs> yes. Does he hear me? Yes, he hears you. Go ahead. Josh, talk, hey. talk to Josh. He's listening he to you. Back. Yeah, he. Oh, you're on the. You're, you're on the air. Josh, how are you, tonight. buddy? Just for tonight. He says, what's up? What's up? Oh, God. Who's I talk to him all the time. I don't know why he's saying what's up. I talk to him all the time. I didn't realize we were playing. Like... <laughs> let, let, Josh, Josh, it was, it was wonderful. Yes, thank you. Goodbye, guys. Have fun with him. Good night, Josh. Have a good night. We got Donnie Baseball in there. Okay, Brett, let's, let's get this straight. Donnie Baseball hasn't played since 1995. One. No, not as a player. We need him as a manager. You need him as what? We need him in the dugout. No, we don't need him in the dugout. Donnie Baseball hasn't won anywhere he's coached. He's been in the, He's been with the Dodgers organization. How many times did he take them to the playoffs? And how many times did they lose? 
Okay. Then he goes to the Marlins. How many times did they make the playoffs? One time. One in the shortened season. One time. Okay. The guy doesn't win. The guy didn't win as a player. I loved Don. He was my favorite player. I grew up a Don, Don Mattingly fan. I love Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly is not a good manager. I, I would not bring Don Mattingly to this organization. I would keep Aaron Boone before I bring in Don Mattingly. Yeah, but he's a, he's a fan favorite. Yeah, I, I, I love Don Mattingly. I would love to see Donnie Baseball in the dugout. But is that going to help us win? And honestly, no. it's not. I want to. Right. Here's where the Yankees need to go. And I, I we listened to Mike uh, Guizdala, who, who Brother, he, the judge is coming back. Where's Judge going? Ask him. I. I oh, oh, Todd wants to know. Arrow, Todd wants to know where Judge is going. I think I've been saying it for two years. I think Judge is going to San Francisco. There's no way the Yankees are going to pay him three hundred million dollars or more. There's no the way. Mets could afford him. Ask him if the Mets could afford him. No, he's not going. Yeah, I, I hear him. He, he's they're not. The Mets are not going to make a move for him, as we heard what Josh was saying just a few minutes ago. Josh said that the Yankees and the Mets have a deal where you know, obviously, because the Steinbrenners and the Cohens are very yeah. good friends, that they're not going. They're not going to make a move for Aaron Judge. I think he goes. He's either staying with the Yankees or he's going to San Francisco. Already, we've heard that San Francisco said that he they're going to outbid everybody. So if they if they well, offer him three hundred million dollars eight years or whatever the hell they offer him, he's gone. Hold on, Brent. Hold on. Can Steve Cohen offer him whatever he wants? Yes. Well, logistically, yes, but the Mets are not really in position to do that right now. They're not going to do that. I, what we're hearing right now with the New York Mets is they're they're contemplating on <laughs> Jacob Degrom. That's what we've heard. They're contemplating on Jacob Degrom and. Jacob they don't DeGr- sign DeGrom, they'll sign Judge. No, no what we're hearing, they'll sign Rodon. There, there, there are stories coming out that if they lose um, Jacob DeGrom, they're going after Rodon. So uh, it, it's more than likely Rodon, Carlos Rodon, the left-handed oh, pitcher. Yes. So there, I, know is, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think Aaron Judge is going in the Mets. I do not believe the Yankees are going to keep him. I think he is probably – Going to San Francisco, that's where his family's from. That's where he grew up. Uh, obviously, the Angels? No. The Angels, right now, the Angels are trying to rebuild. They have no farm system. They're probably going to try to move Otani sometime in the middle of the season next year because he's on his last year of his contract, and they're going to try can to the rebuild. Get, can the Mets get Otani? Can they get Mets get Otani? In, Possibly, but they don't off, have a lot of farm They're products. not trading. I don't think the Mets will trade for him, but when he becomes a free agent in the offseason next year, yeah, I think the Mets will make a move for him. I, I think a lot of teams are going to make a move for him. Uh, of course, but I could be good in flushing. You know, uh, it would be great in New York. The problem with Otani is he never wanted to come to New York. The Yankees wanted to make a move for him. Epler obviously yeah. worked under um, Brian Cashman all those years. He went to Anaheim. He was the GM over there when they made a move for Otani. Uh, Brian Cashman loved him. Brian Cashman wanted to bring him in, but he didn't want to come I out east. And as for Degrom, I think the Dodgers are going to get Degrom. No, it's uh, possible if it's I, like a two-year deal. But beyond he's that, not no. going to Speedy. Be quiet. He's not going to the Dodgers. He there's two teams he's going to. He's going to Texas or he's going to the Mets. 
That's all he's going. I guarantee you, unless the surprise team sneaks up, it's not going to be the Dodgers. They're going to do everything the Dodgers they want to everybody. The, yeah, but the Dodgers are going to be linked to everybody, but no. The Dodgers are going to make any possible move to go after Trey Turner and re-sign Trey Turner. If they sign Ray Trey Turner, he's going to get closer to $300 million. If they pay Trey Turner, they have no room for margin to add another player or another big arm or a big bat in their lineup. So I, I think yeah, they're – they're, I think they're I think they're more looking to bring back Trey Turner than go after anybody else. The Mets might go after well they might go after Turner also. They are you a Mets fan? Double. Are you a Mets fan? Who are we speaking yeah. to by the way? Yeah, I am, yeah. What's your name? Yeah. Yeah. Todd. What is it, Todd? Yeah, yeah, Todd. Todd, yeah. I was, I was, listen to me. I I I know all the Met fans and I I listen to obviously Josh, he's a big Met fan and he he wants this guy, he wants that guy, he wants this guy. I can't wait until the offseason. The Mets are going to open up the pockets and Steve Cohen's going to spread well, out another billion dollars. And I understand well, he's not, he, it's a matter of if players want to go there, but he does, he will spend money. I'm I'm not saying that he wants. But I, again, Met fans have to understand something. Buying players yeah. don't win championships. Ask the Yankees. No, Ask the Yankees. The Yankees. The only oh, time. The only time the Yankees won buying buying players was in two thousand nine. The only time they won when they brought CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. They never won after that buying players. They brought Jason Giambi in. Did they win with Jason Giambi? Never did. How many? How many years after bringing Alex Rodriguez in? And, and obviously, but they traded for Alex Rodriguez. But nevertheless, they brought Alex Rodriguez in. How long did it take them to win a championship when Alex Rodriguez was there? Alex Rodriguez came in in what two thousand one, two thousand two. They didn't win a championship for like seven years with Alex Rodriguez. He was one of the worst playoff players until two thousand nine. So well, then Steve Cohen is in the. Uh, he's just gonna. He likes to spend money in the Mets. I mean, I, I, I wish the Mets had a better farm system, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, the Mets farm system isn't that bad. Okay, I know they have players. It's average. It's average. It's average right now because those players haven't developed yet, and 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 well, we I like baby. Yeah, baby, he'll be a, he could be a full-time third base for next year. Here, here's, here's, here's another thing. I, I don't know if you, you follow the Yankees because you're a Mets fan. In the, no, I follow the Yankees. In the, I don't even hate you. In the, in the early 2000s, from 2005 to 2015, everybody said that the Yankees had the worst farm system in baseball, one of the worst farm systems in baseball. And then, yeah. uh, obviously, the development of Savarino and the development of Aaron Judge and the, the development of all these other guys that they brought up over the years. Then, all of a sudden, you heard that the Yankees' bulb, their farm system became from one of the worst to one of the top ten, one of the top five, uh, you know, obviously yeah, farm systems. one player that was, yeah, was a judge, mainly. Well, not even judge. Show. No, the, judge Saver- wasn't even the top prospect. Oh, Saverino, they no, put, it wasn't. Clint no, it Frazier, wasn't. they had a good farm system. Everybody was saying after after 2015 that the Yankees had one of the better farm systems. Right. So, yeah, you who's just. That th- who's, that third, who's that third baseman that they had that always got hurt but never And really, Duhar. He was very. Yeah, and Duhar, right? He was good. Yeah, but the, the the thing is, is that you just don't know what these players are going to turn out to be. How many rounds are there in baseball? There's 20 or something like that? There's, and there's, like, multiple drafts, too. It's not even just the one draft. There's the amateur draft. There's international drafts, all that stuff. By the way, what is going on in this football game, by the way? Atlanta's getting crushed by the Panthers. What is going on here? 
Thursday yeah. night games. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, Atlanta, I, Atlanta's been pesky against the better teams, and their offensive line is a mess tonight. How the hell is yeah. the? Is it raining still? Is yes, it raining yeah, but that I doesn't. Mean, that doesn't. Oh. The Panthers are a washed-up team. Nobody thinks is any good. They have a good team. And what the heck is Mariota doing? He's already down. I don't know. He's trying to throw. What he's not already down. <laughs> What was he down? Terrible. Yeah, was. elbow down right there. Yep. Yeah. So th- that's not an interception. Well, so it's lucky there, again. but still. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a horrible game, by the way. This is a horrible yeah. game, and and I, I I was actually in a sauna at the gym today, and somebody was telling me, uh, "Who do you have tonight? Carolina or Atlanta?" I said, "I, I bet Atlanta." On the money line. That's what I said. And I am so absolutely wrong on this. And I'm usually right on this. This is a horrible game. That kid will never listen to me again. (laughs) This is why Wes tells you never to bet on primetime games. Yeah. He asked me, who do you have? I I said Atlanta. Thursday night games are usually basketball, though, aren't they? No, yeah. but one of our betting experts always says never bet primetime games. We have some of the best handicappers that come on our show, on our, our weekend crunch show on 103.9 FM. And the funny thing is, is he always tells us certain things to not bet on. And one of them, he said, was primetime games because you just don't know what that particular team or that particular quarterback does in primetime games. So, uh, you know, the Marcus Eagles, The Eagles and the the Eagles-Redskins will be a better game on Monday because it's a division game on Monday night. I mean, it can't be any worse than this, the way this quality play has been tonight. Well, the Eagles are very good, but I bet you the Redskins keep it close. Uh, hey, listen, the Redskins, should, the the, uh, the Commanders should have won last week. Okay? I know. They, division games are always usually better, but this game sucks tonight. Yeah. No, it sucks because <laughs> I am look like a fool right now betting on Atlanta. I mean, I am pretty good with my picks. I... I I do very well with my picks. And I'm telling a guy that I didn't even know in a sauna saying, who do you got tonight? I got Carolina tonight. I'm like, oh, you're out of your damn mind. You should, you should have bet the under. The under would have been the best bet. Uh, no, I said, I said, honestly, I said the money line, and I said, definitely Atlanta will cover. That's what I said. No, why not the under? The under was like 41, right? Yes, but I, I didn't. I didn't bet on that. I bet he said, "Who do you have tonight?" I said, "He says he has Carolina," and I he says, "Do you think? Do you think Carolina will cover?" I said, "No, I think Atlanta will cover, and I think Atlanta wins." And I'm so wrong right now. So, I, I, I think everybody and their mother thought Atlanta was going to win this game. So, what's the score? Thirteen. Twenty-two to nine. Twenty-two to nine. It's a Kenny score. <laughs> He doesn't know who Kenny is. What are you laughing at? I was laughing at you. <laughs> he doesn't even know who he is. What are you talking I was about? Like, you know it. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't. You know, Kenny score. <laughs> Nobody even knows who Kenny is. I kill Kenny. How's that? <laughs> Anyways, uh, you have any questions, guys? You have any more questions, Brett? Any of you guys? Brett, I, I don't think Brett really asked too much, honestly. No, Brett is – is he's definitely out of control. Where is he from? Is he from, like, uh, Melmac, from, like, Alpha's area? Brett, where are you from, Brett? Where? Yeah. Yeah, where do you live, Brett? Long Island. <laughs> well, who's a, are you guys know, friends? Errol's looking for more specifics. Are you guys friends or something? Oh, yeah, we know each other. Yeah, we love we – lo- you love what he does then? No, he, he – yeah, I what I what, – well, yeah, Brett, we worked at camp. Yeah, Josh knows him. Yeah, Brett, are you you from like Melmac? From when you know where Alf is from? Some you know, well, you know, some out of space planet. Beppo plays Long Beach tomorrow. Hofstra. 
You're going to what? Four playoffs tomorrow. Matt Bloom at Long Beach. What? Matt Bloom at Long Beach at Hofstra. Brett, you are. Where are you from? Where am I from? Yeah. I'm from actually, I was born and raised from Patchock. I went to school in Brooklyn, and I live in Smithtown in the Nesconset area. So. Now, yes, I grew up in Wisconsin. I live in Plainview, but I grew up in Wisconsin. Awesome. Oh, you know, it's it's a beautiful area. It's quiet, yeah. and I, I love it over here. It's it's a great place. It's a great place of living. And uh, But, yeah. you know, I, I hear that you're a Met fan. I, I know Met fans can't wait until this offseason. Uh, the Mets couldn't yeah, wait until the season. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if the Mets are going to sign anyone. They signed Diaz, and I don't know if they're going to sign anyone. Oh, I do. I, I, I do believe they're going to bring in well, a player. No, they're going to try. They're going to try, but I don't know if they will. I really don't know if they will. I'm telling you they will. Like they, they will. Sign somebody, but they're not going to sign anyone that's going to make it. The, the, best, the best kind of player they'll sign is maybe a Rondo, Rondon or Trey Turner. Nothing electric. If they, bring, electric. If, they if, if they bring in Trey Turner, that's electric. <laughs> that's all they, if that's all they get, they're not going to be any better than they were last year. Oh, absolutely yeah. will. You, you're telling me you put him in that lineup? If they, yeah, but you lose the Grom and you lose uh, – No, but – I'm you, assuming they lose – I, listen, I, I if they lose Degrom, they're bringing in Rondon. That, that that's okay, a fact. So I'd rather have Rondon and Turner than just Degrom. <laughs> I don't know if they bring in both of them. I I don't think they bring in Turner. I think they bring in another bat, but it's not going to be a big bat like Trey Turner because you're going to have to pay him three hundred million dollars. And Rondon is he is going to probably ask for. I would say closer to $200 million. Rendon has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last two yeah. seasons. He's a left-handed power pitcher that the Mets haven't had for years. Um, they haven't had a power pitcher yeah, for a lefty since uh, I don't even know. I, isn't uh, who would be the left uh, last Mets left-handed power yeah, pitcher? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Most of them have been finesse pitchers. It's not Mats. No. Sid Fernandez? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember, but... I, he, he's, he's been one of the best lefties in baseball. You bring him in. I don't know if they bring in Trey Turner. I could see the Mets bringing in a knickknack player, like a, a player that Nemo, you think, first I got to worry about signing Nemo. Nemo's a big player. Here's a player that I think the Mets will go after. And I'm going to tell you why Michael Brantley. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say why. I like Brantley. He's yeah, good. Michael Brantley could play multiple positions in the outfield. He's a very good outfield player. He hits for average. He's a left-handed hitter. Uh, being that there's no shift in, now in baseball, he's going to be even better when it comes to a contact hitter. I think Michael Brantley is a guy that the Mets will definitely look like look at in the offseason, especially if they lose Brandon Nimmo. So, and he's a better hitter all around than Brandon Nimmo. So he's not a better outfielder. It's crazy how good Nimmo has turned out to be as a as an outfielder. He, he's been fantastic this year. I think he's the Gold Glove uh, center fielder in the National League. I think he's been fantastic. I like Nimmo. Though. You think he'll come back? I I don't know. I I, I know the Mets said that they're they're going to do everything they can to re-sign him. That's what we've heard. Um, yeah. The question is is what is what is his agent asking for? That he's a Boris and, and he's a Boris yeah. client. So, and Boris is probably going to say, okay, Nimmo's worth $140 million. That's what, that's what he's going to say. No, the Yankees will not make a move for Brandon Nimmo for that kind of money. Uh, if, well, how much do you think Nimmo will get? Um, with Boris, as they're being that they're, uh, we've seen all these big contracts last year with, with, center, you know, with center fielders and, and outfielders. Um, yeah. I think Brandon Nimmo gets. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict this. Brandon Nimmo gets five years, twenty five million a year. So what does that count? One hundred twenty five. One twenty five. Yep. I I say he gets about one thirty 
for five years. He had a good year. I like Brandon Miller. I think he's a good player. I think he had a good year. I think he was good this year. He was. Definitely better than Conforto. That's not saying much. <laughs> and the Mets want to bring him back, so. <laughs> and I, thought, I thought Conforto was going to be good. I really did. But he was never he brought up as a game. center fielder, though. He was always thought of as a corner <sighs> outfielder, first base type. Todd, we really appreciate you. Brett, go back to Mel Mac. You know, Alf is looking for you. <laughs> On the fan. I'll see you guys at Best Shalom next year. Thank you, man. Todd and Brett, uh, Josh uh, Silverberg's friends. Uh-huh. There you go. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I like Todd. Uh, yeah. Brett was a little weird. Yeah, you got that right. Well, you know, Brett's kind of like you, Speedy. Mm. A little weird. Well, well, yeah, Todd's, Todd's the one that's a Mets fan, so. Uh, like I said, Mike Mike was good. Yes. He, he really was good. Uh, I, I don't know what was going on with his, you know, his his sound over there. It was going in, it was going out, it was going high, it was going to go low. I don't know what was going on. It was maybe his computer, but uh, uh, we will, we definitely like to thank uh, Mr. Guizala for uh, for joining us. Thank you to Josh Silverberg. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to have our guest, Brett, a.k.a. Derek, my friend, Mountain, who will be joining us. So uh, looking forward for Derek for joining us. So. Uh, let's finish up before we get into some football. Um, I, I think this is smack in the face for for hearing the Yankees giving Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo qualifying offers. It's I I I, I don't even know why the Yankees did that. Is is it you know just trying to be nice? I, I you know Anthony Rizzo isn't taking a qualifying offer, and you already know that Aaron Judge isn't doing it either. So why would you offer it? That doesn't make any sense. And and the Mets know Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Nimmo, and Chris Bassett is not taking the qualifying offer either. So why are they doing it? Just to be nice? I mean, doesn't make by the way, Arizona beats the Islanders two to nothing. Oh wow. Yep. That's just not ideal. That no, not ideal. It's not, but you know, you, you can't win them all. And that's what happens with hockey. You you just don't know when you're gonna win or lose. Very surprising that they lost two to nothing, but you know. Who was in net? Was it Valamov? I mean, Varlamov just played against the Rangers. So would he get would he get this many games within the short period of time? Because the Ranger game was just Tuesday. That would be very weird if Varlamov played back to back games like that with just just the one day off. Unless there was something we don't know about with Sorokin, but still, that this is two nothing to the Coyotes, who've been one of the worst teams in the league this year. Definitely not ideal. But yeah, in terms of the qualifying offers, Sorokin yep. was in net, but he gave up one goal, and then it was an empty net goal. Okay. So. Um, Sorokin gave up one. They were losing one to nothing in the third period, and uh, it was an empty net goal. So their offense was due for a bad one after all the... uh... Sorokin had 26 saves out of one goal. Mm. So uh, he gave up one goal out of 26 26 shots. His save percentage was 963. He He played pretty well. I mean... The Islanders should be scoring against that Coyote team. but Yeah, I guess they were due for a letdown with all the goals they were scoring. Yeah, uh, that's not – when you look at all the teams that the Islanders have beaten in the last week and a half, they've beaten some of the best teams in the NHL. Right. And, and to go into you know Long Island, I think they played at home tonight, and lay up a dud against the Arizona Coyotes, I mean, that's horrible. But nevertheless, uh, like I said, in a few minutes we're going to have – uh, Derek Mountain Actually, he is us. here. I know, but we're going to bring him in. Okay. We're not done yet. We All have right. to finish up what we were talking about, and then we'll do our picks. Um, I will say this. This whole attorney general suing Dan Schneider and Roger Goodell. Dan Schneider right now. It not only is in a load of trouble because of the tax evasion and all the dumb things he's done off the field, but even... 
even the cheerleading stuff and, and John Gruding and the emails and all that other stuff. Why is Roger Goodell connected with this guy? Now, there has to be something. If you're, if you're an owner, or if you're an owner of an NFL team, and you're hearing the story that Roger Goodell, the, the D.C. Attorney General, wants to sue Dan Schneider and Roger Goodell for, you know, obviously this mishap situation. That What is the whole story? I mean, yeah, the, the initial lawsuit was based on a workplace culture that was considered toxic. But why, do is, what, why is Roger Goodell being drawn into this? Roger Goodell is connecting – is connected in within letting Dan Snyder go forward with a lot of the uh, the employees that they've hired get away I, I guess either pay off or cover up cover ups of certain employees. So, so my question here is, why is Roger Goodell helping Dan Snyder? Right, that's what I want to know. And here's another story. And here's another question I have for obviously Dan Snyder. You you've been own, you've owned this team for how many years? You've owned them for over twenty years. Right. Why all of a sudden, when all the bad things are going on behind closed door, why all of a sudden you're hiding? You're not saying anything. You're not speaking. You were so outspoken for all these years before all these stories were coming out with the cheerleaders and and the sex crap that's going on on and off the field over there. And 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 by the way, we've heard from John Gruden. Where's Jay Gruden from all this? Right. I haven't. We haven't heard from Jay Gruden. He's completely disappeared. Is he an offensive coordinator anywhere? Is he a part of an organization right now? Is he is he part of the Green Bay Packers right now? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out where Jay Gruden is because it is kind of weird that while all these crazy things were going on, Jay Gruden was the head coach of this team, not John Gruden. Jay Gruden. We've heard more on John Gruden over the last two years than Jay Gruden. And Jay Gruden was a part of this organization when everything was starting to sink. He's the offensive consultant for the Rams right now. Oh, what what a great offense, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, no wonder they got worse. Now it all makes sense. Jay Gruden's there. He wasn't there last year. I, I mean, honestly, right now where you, you see where this story is going, Roger Goodell is never going to lose his job. He's not, and I'm going to tell you why. Roger Goodell raised over $6.5 billion in endorsements last year in the second half of the, of the football season. Second half. And also with the new, uh, obviously, contract deals from Fox and CBS and ESPN and now Amazon. Amazon just paid, them, paid the NFL a load of money. And so Be Be Bezos, whatever his name is, but is Bezos, it Be yeah. Bezos. Bezos paid the NFL a significant amount of money to take these crazy, terrible, you know, Thursday night football games. <laughs> um, by the way, this is a horrible Thursday night football game. And what's the score of this game? 22-15. Atlanta just got a touchdown but missed the extra point. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. But, I, I mean, we look at who scored the touchdown here. Hodge is a rookie receiver. Uh, where, what's going on with Kyle Pitts? Round pick. What's going on with Pitts? He did stuff in the first quarter. I haven't seen much of him since. I mean, he's a doofy. He's a doofy guy. But... Um, I I don't know what the NFL is going to do on you know when it comes to this story, I but I if I was an owner of an organization right now and I see that Roger Goodell is making forty nine and a half million dollars a year, uh, he has lifetime worth of you know benefits for him and his family and his own jet and he's he he just got an he just got an extension. I know when it comes to money, the the owners love him. 
you have to look at this story and he's hiding things. Everybody knows about the CTE thing. Everybody knows about the CTA thing and what he tried to do uh, to this doctor. This doctor was trying to save these players, save NFL players from having head injuries and neck injuries because of the CTE uh, situation. And and we've we've spoken to a lot of ex NFL players, Speedy, and a lot of people, a lot of ex NFL players told us that Roger Goodell is an ass. That he doesn't care about the players. It's all about what to, what have you done for me now, not from you know obviously in the past. And I just feel like the NFL has really pushed things under the rug. And now this Dan Schneider thing, John Gruden, if he doesn't win a hundred million dollars on this lawsuit, it's an out. He has a terrible lawyer because you hear these stories coming out that the the DC Attorney General is suing Dan Schneider and and Roger Goodell which means he's suing the NFL, that tells me that John Gruden has a shoe-in shoe-in lawsuit against the NFL for throwing him under the bus with those emails. And who knows what else is involved, too, because the owners are a set union, too. So they, if, they are def- if there's other guys defending Dan Snyder's values and letting him go through with a lot of the toxic things that they did behind the scenes with the whole employees, the cheerleaders, the season ticket holders, that god-awful feel that everyone gets hurt on. I definitely think a lot of those players that dealt with uh, really severe injuries on that field should definitely get involved with this kind of thing, too. There's going to be a lot more dominoes to fall with this kind of thing, and I think the biggest one, the one most recently, was with Trent Williams, too. How do you misdiagnose a a cancer treatment? That is a life-threatening thing, and you have Dan Snyder hiring hiring these doctors that don't know how to do this kind of thing just because you want to save money, Dan Snyder, and Dan Snyder, we've seen pocketing financial embezzlements <laughs> with all this stuff with season ticket holders. Who knows if he's been underpaying certain employees too, or like you were saying, like hiring guys that are not like qualified for these kinds of things. It's a disgrace. And Trent Williams couldn't. He ought to. He almost had to retire from the NFL. He and he's the died. best. And he's the best tackle right now in the NFL. He could have died from cancer because they misdiagnosed. When, it. when healthy, he was yeah. the best tackle last year. He was the best tackle the year before that. Right. I, I mean, he is the best tackle and. And could you imagine him as on the commanders right now with the quarterback dispute that they've had over the last couple of years with obviously Carson Wentz. Now they have uh, Henneke. Henneke is going to be the quarterback right now moving forward for this commander team. And I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the commanders sneak, sneak into the playoffs with Henneke. Uh, uh, we saw what they what he did last year with this team. So mm-hmm. uh, I, honestly – I am just appalled by what the what the NFL sees and what the ownership sees in Roger Goodell. I, I understand he makes them money. I understand Derek Mountain, okay, and I, I and everybody knows Derek Mountain, and he's going. We're going to bring him in in just a few moments. I would rather Derek Mountain, and he's a pretty smart guy, mm-hmm. running the the NFL organization. It is not hard. Finding organizations to invest in a multi-billion-dollar industry—it's not. Dorito paid. Doritos had how many commercials last year in the Super Bowl? I think it was four. They they had their commercial played four times. Do you know what they paid the NFL to play that commercial four times during the breaks? Here's here's a number: eight and a half million dollars. They gave the NFL. Almost $1.5, $1.7 million to play a 30-second commercial. So, Derek, let's bring him in. 
and, and we really appreciate you joining us as always. Derek, do you believe that the NFL and the ownership – now, obviously, Roger Goodell just got an extension, I think it was, two years ago. I, I think he signed a five-year, six-year deal. He will be up probably, I think, in 26 or 27. If you hear all these different stories with the John Gruden situation, now Dan Schneider, you know the CTE. They let they they pushed they practically ownership just pushed it under the rug with the CTE thing after what he was doing. You see all these crazy things going on, and this guy is a selfish man, and this is a guy that really doesn't care about the players. He all he cares about is the ownership and bringing in money. If you we're an owner right now, and you hear this story about Roger Goodell, and now he's getting sued, and the NFL is getting sued because of his stupidity, really helping Dan Schneider get away with the, th- the stories that we're hearing. Do you bring him back when he when he goes up for another contract? I don't think they have like a moral compass when they go through this stuff. My big brain theory is that the owners like to keep a guy like Schneider around because he's such a bad owner, and he takes all the negative light of any because they, they all have skeletons in their closets. Right. But Snyder's way worse than all of them. He's going to take a bunch of heat. And since he bought them in 99, I mean, they've basically been irrelevant. Um, so if Goodell's got to fall on the sword with them, fine. Because like you said, the NFL has made a ton of money since Goodell has assumed uh, the commissioner role. So yeah, I actually think, I actually think they would from that standpoint, because that's all owners care about is money and their image and, and kind of just protecting the shield. Right. And it's not, it's not how the three of us would operate because we have a heart and people get hurt with this stuff. And there's more to there. there, It should be more about more than money. And I mean, they're making enough money as it is, but that's not how they operate. Um, So the only thing I think the owners would have a problem with Goodell is how much money he makes. That guy makes, I think, upwards of like 40 or 50 million a year. 49 and a half. To them, mm-hmm. how much? 49 and a half. Yeah. I mean, I know Jerry Jones had a comment about that actually really recently because I'm sure they could get a guy who would take a quarter of that salary and probably do the exact same job as Roger Goodell. But um, other than that, I mean, I think Goodell, by their perspective, has done his job, as funny as that sounds. You speak, Speaking of somebody that doesn't have a heart, Adam Silver, this is from Ben today. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, speaks out today and, and puts out a statement saying, without a doubt, he believes Kyrie Irving is not an anti-Semitic person. Oh, God. This is coming from a Jewish commissioner, okay? This is a man, I, honestly, just that... Just him saying that, I would fire Adam Silver. I would fire him. I would get rid of him. This is despicable. This is a guy, his culture. He probably lost family at the, in the Holocaust. And this is, a, this is a player that pretty much brushes it under the rug. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares about what, what I've been saying over the last couple of years supporting African Americans, Black Lives Matter? Okay. And now all of a sudden, an anti-Semitic thing comes out, uh, a film comes out, and he's supporting it. And he, he sells it to all his fans. And any fan that watched this is a disgrace, okay? I, for him to promote something like this, and for Adam Silver to say today and makes a statement like saying, 
oh, I, I, I don't think he's anti-Semitic when he pretty much didn't even want to apologize for promoting something that was all about the Holocaust and that it didn't exist, that six million people weren't murdered. So it's he's despicable. Adam Silver should not have a job. Honestly, I'm I'm not going to sit here and talk about this anymore on this show because it makes me sick to my stomach. For Adam Silver to come out and say this, and I and I'm this is coming from a guy that has Jewish blood in him, and I know I've lost family in the Holocaust. I didn't know them personally because I wasn't alive. I didn't exist. But for for somebody. Like Adam Silver, who is born Jewish, had a bar mitzvah, had had a an Ashkenazi family, all right, and he comes out and says that Kyrie is not anti-Semitic, shows me how dumb he really is, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Thank you, Ben, for posting that and, and the statement of uh, the great and stupid Adam Silver. So I, I I just have to speak out. I don't really care what Adam Silver has to say about me or thinks about me. Adam Silver should be ashamed of himself. This is a Jewish man who obviously everybody knows is Jewish. I mean, <laughs> what the last name Silver. <laughs> so it's just despicable. The NBA needs to – the NBA ownership needs to – Obviously, reach out to Adam Silver and ask him why would he make a statement like that after what we've heard. Kyrie Irving didn't even want to apologize for what yeah. he said. He didn't want to apologize. So it, it's despicable. Um, so why don't we get into it? Uh, we have uh, the great Derek Mountain, as we uh, always uh, have him on every single Thursday. Well, last week, congratulations, by the way, to your brother getting married. Yes. How was the, how was the wedding, man? Oh, it was so fun. It, it was an absolute blast. I'm sure. I mean, your three boys, your father, your mother. Uh, I can only imagine how many people were there. What, how many people were at the wedding? Like 150. Nothing oh, nothing not... crazy, but it was uh, oh, it was awesome. 14-piece band. Uh, wow, dance wow. floor was, was popping. It was, it was a good time. Wow. Look mm, at you. Are awesome. you a dancer? Oh, absolutely. Are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I haven't asked your brother if he has two left feet. But... <laughs> no, he's okay. He's okay. But he's more like my dad where he'll, he'll like get in on a song or two that he likes, but he likes to sit down, you know, have a, have a drink at the bar or whatever. <laughs> How about your other brother? Is he much of a dancer? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Really? <laughs> more so than me. Yeah, he's a partier. Yeah, he's a, he's a social butterfly. Yeah, he loves to get after it. Absolutely. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got to see this. Whenever the videos come out, you have to send it to me. I, I have oh, to yeah. See the, Absolutely. I, I have to see the videos of these dan- the, the, the dancing the dancing queen mountains, okay? <laughs> <laughs> next, next time you have a family member that has a wedding, Errol will drive to wherever that is and go DJ that party well, just to see it. <laughs> I do it every weekend. So I, right. I, I'm the one dancing with with the mic in my mouth, my hands, and and dancing around, getting everybody to jump and dance. If I'm not DJing and mixing, I'm on the dance floor, making everybody dance and have a good time. So I know what it's like to go. Everybody says, "Well, are you one of those hype DJs, MCs? Or are you you one of those lame MCs that just want to you know, want to make your money?" And I'm one of those crazy MCs that gets everybody jumping for joy. By the end of the party, they're like, "Man, how much energy do you have?" So. I could only imagine. So I'm happy for your brother. I actually had a nice conversation with your brother today, and I'm I'm glad and and good for you. And uh, you have a a new sister in the family. So there you go. Yes. So, Thank you. By the way, you are ten and three from last week. Uh, nice. Not too bad. How'd you guys do? 
I was nine and four. Speedy was seven and six. Speedy had a bad week. Speedy had a bad week. <laughs> yeah, I've. I mean, as you guys know, I've had much worse. So yeah, you you have you have. But uh, hey, it was a good week for you. Ten and three is not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I I I've been pretty good every single week. But uh, tonight, I actually had. I had Atlanta winning this game. It doesn't look like Atlanta's winning this game. I, unless yeah, some Panthers miraculous... just get a field goal, so that's a dagger. <laughs> I, I mean, how many? How much minutes is left of the game? Yeah, it's less than twenty seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, the game's over. So I, Atlanta loses. Uh, I, I, it's crazy. How does Carolina win a game like that? But anyways, uh, let's get to it, Derek. As we do this every single week. We're making our week ten picks, and by the way, the Jets have a bye week, so it won't be anything with the Jets. Oh, Derek, you can't pick against the Jets this week. Oh, what a shame. Well, I, I, was, I was wrong with the Jets. I, I know yes, you look you forward are. to it every week. <laughs> but against the but Jets. I think like everyone was, so I'm not, I don't feel too bad. Not about me. It. Not me. No, I actually, like, that's a great pick. I, actually, I picked the Jets to win 21-17, and they, they won 20-17. So I was pretty... Pretty okay. dead on. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Okay. It wasn't bad. It was a good week for me. There you go. All right, here we go, Speedy. All right, the first game in Munich, Germany, 9.30. The Seattle Seahawks at, uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. German football fans will get to watch the Geno smith so and some guy named Tom Brady. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle to win this game, though. I think their offense has been sparked with a lot of big plays. I think Tampa's defense will be able to take out one of their receivers, but not both. And the Tampa offensive line against that pass rush for Seattle, which has been very good. How about Uchenna Nwosu has had back-to-back sacks in two straight games. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. I think it'll be close, but I'm going to take them 23-20. to This game, I go back and forth because on paper, like the Bucks should, should just be so much better than the Seahawks. But the Seahawks, as I say every week, they're just like the good vibes team. And the Bucks are the very bad vibes team. Even last week's win, people are saying, oh, Brady's back, Brady's back with that final drive. I mean, that was just really atrocious defense from the Rams playing prevent, not even protecting the sideline at all with zero timeouts left. So I'm not necessarily saying the Bucks are back in this one. I- I'm with you, Speedy. I'm just going to take the Seahawks here. I'm going to ride the good vibes and uh, wait till they burn me because they've got me a couple wins the last few weeks. <laughs> No, I have Seattle in this game, too. I I think Kenneth Walker is becoming a star right in front of our eyes. I don't know. Even though Tampa has been very good at stopping the run, so was Arizona going into the week last week. And I don't know what happened. Kenneth Walker just ran all over him. Three touchdowns in the game, dominated the line of scrimmage. There's nobody going to stop this kid right now. This guy has been the best running back in football for the last four weeks. And Geno Smith right now is an MVP candidate. He's top five quarterback right now in the NFL. Yes, Geno Smith and this defense, which is really, if you play fantasy football, this defense has been one of the best fantasy teams in the NFL. 97 points uh, for this team when it comes to fantasy. That's unheard of going into week 10. So I, I absolutely believe Seattle will win this game. I don't know what's going on with Tom Brady. He has no offensive line. They don't protect him. He has the fastest release right now in the NFL. He holds the ball for two seconds and they still can't win. I don't know what's going on. Give me Seattle in this game. I have them 21-14. All right, next game, the Jaguars at the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs got tested a little last week, but I don't think they're going to do so this week. They're going to come out on fire in this one. Jacksonville secondary, outside of Tyson Campbell, really hasn't been great. So I think the Chiefs and Mahomes with 400-plus yards last week will be able to spread the ball around. Jacksonville can stop the run, but the Chiefs don't really run the ball, so it's not going to really make a difference. And the Chiefs can stop the run, too. So I don't know if ETN has the same big game as previous week. So I'll go 34-17, KC. 
I think Jacksonville's going to keep it close. I'm not going to pick them, but they won their first game last week. Uh, that was decided by seven points or less. In previous games, they were 0-5 in one-score games. So I just think like the luck's going to regress for them. I do think they're a good football team. They're just young. They're figuring it out. I still think Lawrence can use another weapon or two, and Calvin Ridley will help, just not till next year. Um, I think they're going to keep it close on this one, but Kansas City comes out on top. I'm going to go KC 30-27. to Oh, I think this is going to be a romp game. And I, I was wrong, wrong about the Carolina-Atlanta game. I thought... Atlanta's covering tonight, and I think Atlanta was going to win. I was wrong. So I'm already 0-1, okay? But I really have, being that it's in Kansas City, I cannot see Jacksonville going into Kansas City and surprising anybody. I think Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes had one of his better games when it comes to yards per throw last week. I think he had 446 yards or something of that magnitude. He was fantastic. Uh, One touchdown, one interception, but nevertheless, I think Kansas City is the better team, and Trevor Trevor Lawrence has not looked good this year. He really hasn't. For a guy that everybody thought he was like a traditional like game-changing quarterback when he came into the league, uh, what was it, two years ago? He's just not the same player that we saw playing for Clemson. Give me Kansas City in this game, 41 <laughs> to 14. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, the Houston Texans at the New York Giants. Uh, This is going to be close. Both these running backs, I think, play well in this game. The Texans have one of the worst run defenses in the league, and the Giants' run defense has not been great uh, the last couple of weeks either. I think the Giants will win, but I do think it will be close just because of that. They're still dealing with a lot of offensive line issues. I think they start slow because of the bye week rust as well. I think the Texans take advantage of it. They're a bit of a pesky first-half team. I think the Giants come back and win late. I'm going to say the Giants. I'm going to take Houston to cover, though. Giants 2016. I'm with you, Speedy. I think uh, I'm tempted to pick Houston here, but the, just everything's going wrong for them besides Damian Pierce. And the Brandon Cook stuff doesn't help. He, he's been practicing this week. He's supposed to play, and he helps if he's back in the lineup, but obviously he's disgruntled. Uh, Davis Mills, solid against the Blitz, and the Giants like the Blitz more than just about any team, but he's just a placeholder for whoever they're going to pick next year in the top two or three in the draft next year. I just think this is a year where they try to get through it, they try to be competitive, but the Giants have just been so good in the fourth quarter. Like Speedy said, even if they're trailing this entire game, I just trust Brian Dable and Daniel Jones to pull it out in a really ugly game. So I'm going to go with the Giants here, 19-16. to 16. I, again... And looking at this game, I know it's in New York, but something tells me the Texans are going to surprise everybody and beat the Giants. The Giants had their bye week. Uh, Daniel Jones, obviously, his first bye week with Dable. Is Dable uh, going to actually pull off a win off a bye week? That's something that we haven't seen Dable as a head coach. But, again, being that the Giants are home and they're getting healthier right now, their defense will be a little bit more healthy going into this game. They did lose their starting safety for four weeks, uh, which is, is a huge loss that could affect them. So I'm going to take the Giants in this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans win the game. Give me the Giants 21-20. All right, the Saints at the Steelers. Uh, this one will be close. I'm going to take the Saints. I think they redeemed themselves a little bit from that debacle last week. I think Alvin Kamara is a good matchup against the Steelers team that likes to blitz. I think you'll see him a lot receiving in this game. And then defensively, they got a very good, especially interior front against the Steelers offensive line that still hasn't been very good. And Kenny Pickett, I think, has a couple interceptions, too. So I'll take the Saints. I'm going to say 23-17. Oh, I'm going the other way. I, uh, Tomlin always does his best work as an underdog. They're coming off the bye. I'm going to trust Mike Tomlin in this one. TJ Watt is back in this one. 
The Saints O-line, I put some trust in them last week. I, I thought it was going to be a competitive game last Monday night, and it was just an absolute stinker. I mean, on both sides of the football, uh, they made Kenyon Drake look like prime Barry Sanders. It was just a, a tough scene, and I think Jalen Jalen Warren, the undrafted free agent out of NC State, I believe, he's going to get more run this week, and he's been a lot more efficient on the ground than Najee Harris, who clearly there's something wrong with that uh, fasciitis injury. Um, so I – I kind of expect a little bit more juice out of this Pittsburgh offense. No Chase Claypool. That means more George Pickens. That's good. George Pickens is really, really good. So give me the Steelers in this one. 21-17. I have Pittsburgh in this game, too. I, I TJ Watt is is a big, uh, you know, big, I guess, I don't know. I, everything we've seen with this defense. This defense has not been the same since he's he was injured in game number one this year, game number two. I think the fact that T.J. Watt is back is going to change everything defensively, especially up front, which they've been one of the worst teams up front this year in the NFL. I think adding T.J. Watt, this guy was the defensive rookie, defensive player of the year last year uh, over Micah Parsons. I think Pittsburgh is going to win this game. It's a home game. It's supposed to rain all weekend long in Pittsburgh, which benefits the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this will be a kicking Kicking game, and, and if it becomes a kicking game, I like Boswell in Pittsburgh. Give me Pittsburgh in this game, 1916. All right, the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. This one I think is going to be a blowout. I'm going to take Chicago pretty big. Uh, Justin Fields last week rushed for 178 yards, which is the most of any quarterback in a single game. And the Lions have had a lot of trouble with the outside run especially. I think you also see Khalil Herbert have a big game in this one. Not as much David Montgomery. I think Herbert's more of that outside runner that'll be able to do it. And I do think that that defense has gotten better even with the losses that they had. And I think the Detroit's offense since the Patriots game has really gotten exposed. So I think you're going to see the law, the Bears definitely take advantage of that. So I'm going to take the, the Bears is in a blowout here. I'm going to say 38-24. I put a lot of trust in the Lions last week to get that upset over Green Bay, and they did it. I'm not going to trust them two weeks in a row to do it. And I don't love Chicago as a field goal favorite. I don't really think they should be a field goal favorite over too many teams, but I'm not buying Detroit yet. I'm not buying that defense yet. I think just about anybody could shut down that Green Bay offense right now. Um, what Justin Fields has looked like the last three weeks is, is special. I mean, I think he needs to clean up some stuff in the passing game, but the weapons aren't good. The O-line isn't good, and he's making plays happen every single week. That rushing ability, I put it right up there with Lamar. He is that electric. It just takes one or two carries to completely change the dynamic of the game. Um, the Lions do not have that same magic on offense that they did the first month of the year. DeAndre Swift is not really in the rotation. Amon Ross St. Brown is clearly hampered and a, and a little bit injured right now. That O-line is down two guys. Um, it's just not the same unit right now. So I, I'm going to back Chicago in this one, 24-20. Oh, I love Chicago in this game. And you were right. Derek, Justin Fields is becoming a star in this league. I think he's a better player than Lamar Jackson, being that he's 230 pounds and he can run as fast as Lamar Jackson. This guy is going to be unstoppable. If, if, if he can stay healthy and run the ball like this, you don't need wide receivers. You don't need Claypool. You don't need these guys. If you have a good offensive line and a good quarterback that can move the sticks, you can win. I believe he'll be able to run against this defense. I think he has another 100-yard running game. I think he scores one or two touchdowns. Uh, you know, I think Chicago's just a better team. I don't know what's going on with the Lions. Campbell will be fired at the end of the season. The defensive coordinator, ex-New York Jet, and everybody knows who I'm talking about. Aaron Glenn. Aaron Glenn will be fired. This whole team will be 
starting from scratch again. I think they have some weapons. I think they have some pieces that to look forward to in the future. And Garrett, uh, obviously, Jarrett, uh, Jared Goff will not be there after next year. I think they'll be drafting in the top ten, and, and they'll draft their future quarterback. Give me Chicago in this game, and this is why they moved up, and they traded with the Giants. They had Justin Fields. Uh, Chicago wins 30 to 15. Remember, John Jets is their next head coach. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, boy, Johnny. That's right. Minnesota Vikings at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills here. Even though Josh Allen, it might not be 100% playing in this game. I think the Vikings are too hot right now. I think they're due for a loss. They had a, a rusty game against Washington. They're overrated. I, I don't know if they're overrated. I just think they just had their, one of their worst fundamentally sound games. And I think that's something that they cannot do against a Buffalo Bills team that overrated. is going to redeem themselves nicely. They lost to the Jets last week. They looked sloppy in the fourth quarter of that game. Oh, I can't I, wait until Minnesota plays I, the Jets. I, I, can't, I, I can't see them doing that two weeks in a row. I think Josh Allen will have the game plan simplified for him a little little bit, but I do think those receivers will be able to win some mismatches against the Vikings corners that still have not been great this year. And that offensive line, I can't see them playing that bad two weeks in a row. So I'm going to take the Bills in this one, 31-20. I'm also going with the Bills, but sorry, Speedy, what were you going to say? No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm also going to go with the Bills here. Uh, the, the line movement here kind of... It feels like Allen's not going to play. I mean, the look-ahead line was nine points. The Bills were laying nine points. Now it's all the way down to three and a half points. When, If and when Case Keenum's named the starter, maybe it's going to be under a field goal. I'm still going to back the Bills here. They just have talent everywhere. I still think Keenum can be a little bit of a point guard. He can distribute to all the weapons that they have. Um, and I, I'm not buying Minnesota. I'm with Arrow here. I, I mean – you look at their schedule, and they snuck by the Commanders last week. They snuck by the Cardinals. They beat the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson. They snuck by Chicago when they were losing the majority of that game. They sneaked by Andy Dolan in London. I mean, it, it's Detroit, come from behind victory. I mean, at some point, I think it will catch up to them. Good for them that they're 7-1. and one. Good for Kevin O'Connell. I think it's like a, re a reversal of what we saw with Mike Zimmer and a lot of fourth-quarter collapses in his coaching tenure, but – I'm not buying the hype. Kirk Cousins does not look nearly as efficient as he has in years past. I think this Bills defense can suffocate him and make, and make life difficult for him in Buffalo. So I'm going to go with Buffalo in this one with Case Keenum. I'm expecting Case Keenum 23-17. Um, to 17. Everything I've heard is Josh Allen will be starting in this game. Now, it, it's questionable, and I, I'm sure – It'll be game-time decision if Josh plays. He hasn't been practicing, but that's to protect that UCL nerve that he has right now. But I, I believe Buffalo will win this game. I do not believe in Minnesota. I think Minnesota is very overrated. Uh, they, their, their team really rests on Jefferson's hands and, and what he does on the field. And we saw what the Eagles did against them. Their only loss was against the Eagles. And what did the Eagles do? They stopped Jefferson. If you stop Jefferson, you win this game. I believe Buffalo has the weapons. I think White might be back this week. I've heard that he could be back. He's been practicing on the field. So if he comes back, uh, watch out. I believe uh, Jadarius White could stop, obviously, Jefferson on the field. I know he hasn't been on the field for about a year, but I, I believe this could be the game that he comes back. It's in Buffalo. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. It's going to be raining all week here in New York, including upstate. So... I'm going to give it all to Buffalo with Josh Allen. I don't think it will be Case Keenum. Give me Buffalo in this game, 32-18. to 18. All right, the next game, the Denver Broncos at the Tennessee Titans. 
Uh, I'm going to take the Titans in this one. This will be close. Low-scoring game. Definitely bet the under, I think, if you're going to bet, unless there's some fluky defensive touchdown. The Titans' pass rush was actually very impressive against the Chiefs, even though Mahomes had all those passing yards. They were able to get a lot of pressure. Mahomes just extended plays brilliantly, and the Broncos' offensive line dealing with a lot of injuries and still not getting a running game going. And Russell Wilson have his big plays here and there, but he's also still coached by Nathaniel Hackett. And the Broncos, even though their defense has been good, have not stopped the run pretty consistently either. So I think Derrick Henry gets back to form. I'm going to take the Titans in this one. Close, low-scoring game, 17-13. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with the Broncos here. Um, Rabel reminds me a little bit of Tomlin. He he kind of fires the boys up when they're in that underdog spot, and he did that on Sunday Night Football last week, and he almost did the unthinkable going into KC and winning with Malik Willis, who, I mean, look, he, he's a really raw QB prospect. That receiving core is probably the worst in the league, them and the Giants. Um, but he almost pulled it off, and that defense is really legit. They have the best run defense in football for my money. I mean, I know the Chiefs aren't a run-first team, but I think their running backs combined for 14 rushing yards on 12 carries. I don't care who you are. That's really impressive. Um, but I'm going the other way. I mean, Russell Wilson is off a bye. He, he's been terrible. I think the guy is very <laughs> um, cognizant of how he is perceived and thought of. Um this team, more than anyone, needed to regroup. This offense, Nathaniel Hackett, um, they just needed a moment to breathe just with how disastrous the season has gone. And at the end of the day, I still think this is the better team. I think the wrong team's favored here. Um, no Bradley Chubb, yes, but they still have Baron Browning, who's been a monster. Mm. Randy Gregory might be back at this one. I mean, th this defense is still really good. I'm going to go with Denver here, 21-13. to 13. Oh, I got Tennessee in this game. It's in Tennessee. I, I, I just, I don't know what the Broncos are, and I, I don't think Russell Wilson is the same quarterback he was the year the year before. I, I He were, really wasn't good after at last year when he hurt his thumb. He hasn't been the same quarterback. I, I Maybe his mind is not in the game. Maybe that was, was the big contract that he got in the offseason. Who knows? Maybe it's Ciara just dancing around naked. But right now, the Tennessee Titans are the better team. They have the better coach. I think they have the better running game. Uh, I think they're going to be able to run against Denver. It's a ground and pound. Nobody stopped Derrick Henry this year. Even when they conceal, you know, they contain him, they can't contain him enough where he can't run the ball. I believe Derrick Henry will be able to run in this game. I'll be able, I, I think they'll be able to throw a little bit. And Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill could be back this week. So, and, and they're saying that he, he probably will be back this week, which may, really helps Woods and some of the other guys that could be involved with the offense. Give me Tennessee in this game, 21 14. All right, first of the 4 o'clock games, one ugly one here, uh, the Colts and the Raiders. The debut of Jeff Saturday as the Colts oh, interim God, head coach. Please. And I think they're going to win because <laughs> they actually oh, match up well with the Raiders. God. I actually think they match up well with the Raiders because the Raiders' offensive line has been really bad this year, and the Colts do have some good pass rushers. The rest of their defense hasn't been great, and their run defense has been serviceable. Is Jonathan enough. Taylor playing? Uh, he was practicing the last two days, which is a yep. good sign. He might still be limited with like rotating with some of the other guys, but still, I think it'll, it'll be enough of an effect where they can run on the Raiders, too. We've seen the Raiders now blow another double-digit lead. I think that's just a big problem. The Colts actually have been in their wins a good fourth quarter team, so I think you'll just see another blown 10-point lead from the Raiders. And it Wouldn't it be funny? Josh McDaniels, who almost coached the Colts, blow another lead to the Colts. Colts win this one. Here's my Kenny score of the week, 25-22. <laughs> I, I can't back the Colts here. I mean, this spot is just, it's crazy. I, I mean, they have two head coaches on their staff between Gus Bradley and John Fox. 
They have another guy who coached in the CFL. The guy who's calling plays for them this week, Parks Frazier, is a 30-year-old uh, assistant quarterbacks coach. I mean, I'm looking at this guy's resume right now. Uh, his last couple gigs, quality control at Sanford, quality control at Middle Tennessee, GA at Arkansas State, and then assistant to the head coach at Colts, offensive quality control with the Colts, and now he's the assistant quarterbacks coach. Now he's the interim OC. He has never called plays before in his coaching career. I mean, talk about overwhelming for an offense who's already the worst in the league with A-Linger back there. Um, I just don't know how they're going to score in this one, but Max Crosby on the other side. I, I know it's not a suffocating defense in Vegas, but I, I'm just going to put my trust in Vegas and Josh McDaniels to get this one right. I mean, if McDaniels loses this one, I think I think it might cost him his job. Um, According so to the burner and Adam Schefter account, he's already fired. <laughs> yeah, I mean – they, they're definitely tanking themselves between Waller and Renfro hitting the IR. I saw Blake Martinez retire today, and he played like 70% of the snaps last week. I mean, it's just it, – it's an absolute debacle on both sides. But I'm just going to trust Vegas here. There's a little bit more stability there somehow. Um, I, I can't imagine the Saturday thing as well. I don't think the players are going to react kindly to this. I, I imagine the coaches are definitely not going to respect his authority no matter how – you think of Saturday as a player and kind of the respect that he might garner from his playing days. Um, I just don't think this will end well. I I see Vegas in this one. I'm going to take them 27 to 20. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you, Derek. I think the Vegas Raiders are going to win this game. And I'll say, I'll say this. I like Jeff Saturday. I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a great center. Uh, Peyton Manning says he was one of the greatest teammates he's ever played with. He's never had a coaching job in the NFL. He's never coached in the NCAA. And now you're taking over a team that absolutely stinks. They don't even have a starting quarterback. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is coming back from a major injury that he's been out for a couple of weeks. He's probably not going to be at full strength all season long. And their offensive line has been atrocious this year. Um, Vegas, I think Josh McDaniels is going to be fired no matter winning or losing at the end of this uh, season. I think he's been horrible. I think this team's been horrible. But I'll tell you this. Josh Jacobs has been a great running back this year. I think he's so underrated. And Indiana, the Indianapolis Colts could not stop a nosebleed. I think Josh Jacobs is going to run all over him uh, on Sunday. I believe that finally uh, we're going to see a three-touchdown game for Adams. I think this is a complete blowout. I, give me the Vegas, uh, the Vegas Chargers, whatever the hell they call themselves, <laughs> the Vegas Raiders. Um, give me, I would say, 34-21. Derek, I, before we get to the next game, I just want to say two things. One, Blake Martinez must have saw, all right, I'm playing for Josh McDaniels. Like, nah, I'm out. Time to retire. By the way, <laughs> you forgot you forgot about Cleveland and Miami. And uh, the other thing, uh, yeah, they were looking at the candidates on their staff. Is Gus Bradley really a trustworthy head coach? I mean, he was pretty bad. <laughs> I think I trust the new guy no, over that. If if you're the Colts, you just say, hey, like, let's put it on cruise control. Let's get through this season as quietly and as quickly as possible and get to the draft without hitting headlines. And Ursay did the exact opposite of that. And now everybody's watching you. So, I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not, like, super pumped about Gus Bradley leading my football team, and I get they probably want to lose football games from here on out. That's better for their long-term vision. But, man, they could they could have won a couple different ways versus doing versus hiring Saturday. 
Yeah, that's fair. All right, we'll go to that uh, that Cleveland Browns at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I'll take the Dolphins. I think it'll be closer than people expect, though, because I do think the Browns actually have stretched the field a lot better than I've expected the last couple games. And the Dolphins secondary has been a little bit down this year for the, the big contracts that they have. Javon Holland's a pretty One good safety. One more week, and guess who would be back on the field? But, uh, well, yeah, but still. The, Jacoby Brissett, I think, has actually not been the, been the bigger problem. I think he's actually been downfield throwing pretty good. So I think that'll keep this game close. The problem is the Browns front seven has actually had some more issues against the run than they have been in the past, so I think you're going to get a nice game from Raheem Mostert. You saw Jeff Wilson has a nice game last week at two. I think Denzel Ward will shadow one of the receivers, but they're not going to be able to stop the other one. So I think the Dolphins will win it late. The Browns have been batting close games this year. 27-20. I'll go Miami. The Browns have been pesky. I mean, they've been really competitive with Brissett, like Speedy said, but I just think there's a really good matchup for Miami. Um, Cleveland has allowed uh, the six most explosive pass plays, so 15 yards or more in the league. And it's a little bit surprising. They got a lot of good players back there, but it just hasn't come together. That interior defensive line and the linebacking core are, are a mess. And Speedy brought up the uh, backfield of Miami. I think Jeff Wilson's going to take over this backfield. He already out-touched Raheem Mostert in his first game last week, 12-9. to nine. Um, Wilson looked great in San Fran. He looked great last week in Miami. It's the same system. It's a pretty seamless transition. I expect Jeff Wilson to have 100 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Um, on the other side, Miami has not been great in the defensive side of the football, but they've actually been pretty good stopping the run. If they can just limit Chubb and Hunt, um, you're obviously not going to stop them for four quarters, but you can you can limit them. You can make things hard on them. It, force Brissett to beat you. You're putting yourself in an advantageous spot. So I'm going to take Miami in this one, 31 to 21. <laughs> There's no way in hell Cleveland wins this game for one reason. Uh, this week, Greg Newsom's not playing. This week, Denzel Ward's not playing no. because of a concussion. You lose two corners that good going into a game where you have Waddle and you have obviously Tyreek Hill. Good luck. In Miami, it's going to be hot. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a pesky day for the, for the Cleveland Browns. They're, I'm excited because as much as I can't stand what he does off the field, Deshaun Watson will be back in, in the next week, week and a half. And that's a good sign. If somehow Cleveland pulls this out, uh, I, I still believe Cleveland can win that division. That division is horrible. So if Deshaun Watson comes back and goes on a five-game winning streak, six-game winning streak, which I believe he could, I think Cleveland gets into the playoffs and watch out for them. But I just don't know if they're good enough right now. And right now with the injuries that they have in their secondary, secondary, good luck on trying to stop these two speed demons. Um, give me Miami in this game. I think it's a blowout. Two is going to throw 400 yards in this game. Uh, 28 to 10. Actually, I didn't know Ward wasn't playing. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to say 38 to 20 Miami now. Uh, all right. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals at the L.A. Rams. Another one that destined to be ugly. Both these red zone offenses are continuing to have trouble. I'll take the Rams. I think they win it close just because the Cardinals looked like they were good in the second half, and all of a sudden they haven't been recently. And, they both stink. Uh, I mean, still, but the Cardinals were at least were good in the second half for a while, and now even when the games have been closer, they haven't been all of a sudden. So I just think uh, Cliff Kingsbury has just lost a lot of things with this team. What happened to Wagner, man? What happened? I mean, to the, him? the Rams. The Rams' defense has actually been all right against the run. It's just again, man, he looks old. Well, yeah, he's he, old. <laughs> no, he's really not. He was the best. He was one of the top five linebackers in football. How do you go from one of the top five linebackers in football to one of the worst statistic linebackers in football? 
I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, he, he, I mean, he's a small guy too. I think that like guys like that, their shelf life is not that long. Mm. Like once, once you fall off the cliff, it, it like that decline is sharp. And it's like Jalen Smith's another one on Dallas who used to be on Dallas. He's not small, but he had the injuries and he relied on athleticism. And once he was bad, he was really bad. I still wanted the Giants to keep him for the sole purpose of leaving Tay Crowder on the bench, but that's another story. But <laughs> even so, the, the Cardinals haven't been able to run the ball consistently either. James Conner's injury, the, you know, Benjamin had a couple flashes, but never really consistently put it together. I thought they would last week against Seattle, who's had some trouble against the run, but I think the Rams' defense holds their own. Hopkins might get some. He's done well against Jalen Ramsey in his career, but I think the red zone offense holds them back. And then Cooper Cup just does the rest. I'm going to take the Rams 2016. Just think this before you, but before you go, Derek. This guy was amongst the league's top uh, top tacklers in all of football. This year, I think he has 24, uh, 31 solo and only two sacks. That tells me he's declining, okay? And that's why I, I have to give a lot of credit to Seattle for a team to walk away from Russell Wilson and get as much as they got back from him, from him, from Charles Cross, and now the kid that they got in the third round, guess, and they solidified yeah. their, their, their tackling positions, which they've been so bad at. And then they, they let go of Wagner and rebuild that in the draft. I, I'm telling you, Pete Carroll and that management, are, they look like geniuses. Absolute geniuses. They I'm pushed sorry. all the right buttons mm-hmm. this offseason. Yeah, they have. Unbelievable, it really is. Um, I'm also going to go with the Rams, even though uh, I don't think Stafford's going to go on this one. He got put in the concussion protocol middle of this week. Even with Wolford, I I kind of think there could weirdly be a little jolt to this offense just because he can run around a little bit. Um, if we remember back two years ago, Wolford played the last couple games of the season. He played that wild card round against Seattle. He got hurt. Then Jared Goff came in the game, which is a little weird because – the impression was golf was hurt, but really Walford kind of took his job from him. Kick can play a little bit. I think he's pretty good. Um, he can run around a little bit because this offensive line is a mess, and you can just see all the struggles that Stafford's having. It, it might be better in the long term if he just sits this one out, to be honest with you. Um, McVay owns Kingsbury. Mm. He owns the Cardinals. He's 11-1 and one in his career against Arizona. Cliff is 1-5 and five in his career against LA. I just think this is an Aaron Donald game. This was last week. He had one pressure. It was the first time in I think 59 games where he didn't have multiple pressures. Um, so you're going to get a pissed off Aaron Donald against a really, really bad Arizona front. Um, I think this is an Arizona team that's giving up on Cliff, on Cliff Kingsbury. Um, we just talked about dysfunction with Indy. Arizona's management and coaching is dysfunctional. I mean, talk about a team that does not get nearly enough out of the talent that they have. They've been really disappointing. Um, I'm going to take L.A. in this one. I'm just going to put my trust in Aaron Donald to kind of put the team on his back in this one in, the, in a defensive slug um, slugfest. I'm going to go L.A. 16-13. Yeah, I like the Rams in this game. Matthew Stafford or no Matthew Stafford. I, I don't know what's going on with Arizona. I just don't think they have any confidence in their defense or their offense. They can't run the ball. They've been horrible this year. Remember John Connor? Remember how good he was last year? What happened to John Connor this year? I know. He can't stay healthy. This team is absolutely horrendous. And Kyler Murray should be ashamed of himself. I love Kyler Murray. He's one of my favorite players going into the season. I said, oh, this guy's an MVP candidate. I picked him to win the MVP. Boy, oh, boy, was I wrong. This guy is horrible. Horrific. And this team paid him a lot of money this offseason to completely put up a lousy goose egg. 
give me the Rams in this game. They're the better team. The Rams win at home. Uh, it's going to be an ugly one. This Could you imagine that? We, we're, we're talking about the Cardinals and the Rams, two teams that were in the playoffs last year, two of the favorites to win the Super Bowl last year, and they're two of the worst teams in the NFC. Give me the Rams in this game, 16-13. All right, last of the 4 o'clock games, the Cowboys at the Packers. I think this is going to be an interesting one because the Cow- the Packers have owned the Cowboys for years. And, Derek, you were talking about the track record with the Cardinals and the Rams. The Packers have had their number, the Cowboys' number for a while. And Zeke's still not healthy. You don't know how. That's going to be the matchup you want to think of to expose this Packers' run defense. Now, Tony Pollard did a nice job. But I do think, as well, Jair Alexander shutting down CeeDee Lamb or containing him is going to be- make a big difference in this, too, because the Cowboys' second and third receiving depth still has not been great yet. When R.J. Ochoa was on the show with us a couple months ago, he was alluding to that. They really didn't fix that. And Aaron Rodgers, can he be this bad? I can't really see it again. So I think you're going to get one of those just random heartbreakers. He's not going to play great, but he's going to have some crazy throw that the Cowboy fans are going to be scarred again. I'm going to take the Packers on the upset, 23-21. Speedy. Oh, man. I really thought I was going (laughs) to surprise everyone taking Green Bay here, but I, I, I'm back in here. I, I think I, I'm with you. Rodgers has looked horrible the last five weeks ever since that second half in London against the Giants happened. I mean, they have looked broken. The vibes are not good in Green Bay. I think their playoff chances are kind of down the toilet, uh, but their back's against the wall in this one. Maybe if they win, uh, they can kind of salvage their season. Um, it's not looking good on paper. I mean, Rashawn Gary out for the season. Eric Stokes might be out for the season. Romeo Dobbs, who's been a little bit of a bright spot for them, he's questionable in this one. David Bakhtiari, like every single week, he's questionable in this one. Um, So backs against the wall, you kind of have no reason to take the Packers. Um, The Cowboys run the football well, even without Zeke. Yeah, Pollard. I'm just going to go with Green Bay off my gut. I mean, Rodgers has never laid more than a field goal as an underdog at Lambeau Field. He's a a five-point underdog right now. I mean – are you kidding me? Uh, I know the feeling around the Cowboys is really good. They're kind of a fringe contender right now, but this just feels like the perfect time where people buy into Dallas and they just lose while, while everyone's high on them. So I'm going to take Green Bay in a low-scoring affair. Give me Green Bay 20-17. to 17. Everybody knows I love Green Bay. Everybody knows I love Aaron Rodgers because of what he does, and I think he's the best quarterback still in the NFL. He just has nobody to throw to. But I'm sorry. There is no way that offensive line is going to be able to stop Micah Parsons and anybody coming up the middle. The way this team plays defense, as good as Aaron Rodgers is, and he could probably still keep this team in this game, I I just think the Cowboys' defense is that much better than every part of the Green Bay Packers. I don't care if Dak makes three mistakes. This defense is going to be able to keep them in the game. And by the way, the Cowboys' offensive line has played very well the last two weeks. Um, I, I, I think this is an, another Cowboys win. I think the Cowboys win. I, I really do. I, I just think Micah Parsons is Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's going to absolutely murder this offensive line because they can't stop a nosebleed. Ask the Jets. Um, yeah, Cowboys win. It'll, it'll be close. Aaron will keep him in, 24-21. All right, Sunday Night Football, the L.A. Chargers at the San Francisco 49ers. 
Well, normally I pick the Chargers to lose close games, but this one I think is just an absolute blowout. I think the 49ers just match up too well against the Chargers. Austin Eckler, who's been running very well recently, I think this is gonna, he's going to run into a buzzsaw with this front seven. This is a power team. The Chargers are more of a smaller, finesse-built uh, offensive line. Debo Samuel. Uh -huh. And I think that's going to help contain him. And they can game plan for him now more with the receivers back as well, or the receivers hurt. Keenan Allen still not practicing. Mike Williams still on IR. And they don't really have a tight end that can stretch the field. That's really one of the only weakness with San Francisco's defense this year. And then offensively, this running scheme, this motion running scheme is just going to be too much. Atlanta rushed for 200 yards last week. Imagine what Christian McCaffrey and maybe Elijah Mitchell, he might come back too. Imagine what they can do. And like Errol said, Debo Samuel. Don't be surprised if he has some rushing yards in this game as well. So. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, this is the first time you see both of these guys yeah. on the field. How crazy that! How crazy could this offense be? With Hayuk and obviously McCaffrey right. and now Debo Samuels. Watch out. And oh, and by the way, their star tight end. Yep. So I got the Niners in this one in a blowout, 31-17. I think the Chargers will keep it close, but it was like a perfectly timed bye week for the 49ers. I mean, the injuries were really piling up, and now you get back you get back Debo, you get back Juice Check, you get back Samson Ebicam, you get back Eric Armstead. Dre Greenlaw, Eli Mitchell's going to be back in the mix. So now McCaffrey can get a little bit of a breather. Um, so they're healthy and the Chargers are not, as Speedy said. No Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, I, I doubt he plays in this one. Uh, obviously, Slater's not going to go in this one. Austin Johnson, uh, who's actually been a solid run plugger for them, he's out for the year. I mean, they just can't catch a break in L.A., but I think Herbert will keep this close. I mean, he is just an absolute monster in prime time. Um, the Niners, unfortunately, lost Jason Verrett for the year, who, I mean, hearts out to that guy. It seems Poor like guy, that guy yeah. has had a season. He's had a season-ending injury every single year, but he's so talented when he's on the field. It's just you feel so bad for the guy. Um, I do think Herbert will be able to move the ball up and down the field a little bit. It's just going to be tough with the supporting cast. I mean, like Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett are your first two options on the perimeter. It's just going to be hard. Um but so I'm gonna go with San Fran. I think we'll, I think LA will keep it closer than expected. But um, San Fran comes out on top, 24-20. I I will say this, and this San Francisco team is going to be at full strength. Williams, I I don't know if he's practicing, but they say they're saying that he might be back this week. And if he's not back this week, he'll be back next week. And now they're going to be at full strength. I don't trust Jamie Garoppolo, and I do believe Justin Herbert. I, I mean Herbert is better, but I, I will say this: Herbert has not looked good this year. He's not been the same quarterback that we have been talking about from last year, and obviously what we, we said he was going to be. And and by the way, either is Joe Burrow. So I, I don't know what's going on with these two young quarterbacks, but they haven't had a good season, and that's why uh, the AFC is so open. Now, going into San Francisco, I just think San Francisco's a better team. They have a better defense. Bosa, is he back? I don't think he's back in this game. Is he is he playing? Not sure yet. There's, there's still, he's been limited in certain games, but or certain practices this week. But yeah, when he's it on the doesn't field, matter. Eight and a half sacks he has. So yeah, it, it doesn't matter if he plays or he doesn't. They're going to be able to get to Herbert. This offensive line has not looked good since Slater has been out for the season. I don't know what this team is as far as the Chargers are concerned. They are going to be looking for a new coach, and uh, Mr. Payton might be the one that's going to be hired. Um, I like San Francisco in this game. Give me. Uh, San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey with a touchdown, Debo Samuels with a touchdown, and close to 100 yards on the ground. Um, 
I would say 27-21. All right. Monday Night Football, Derek's Philadelphia Eagles trying to stay undefeated, hosting the Washington Commanders, and I do think they will do so because they can stop the run. And, and uh, you saw Washington's offense last week when Antonio Gibson was kind of contained. Yeah, they had a good third quarter against the Vikings. Beyond that, the Vikings were practically giving them penalty yards. It wasn't really like they were moving that much down the field. And the Eagles, I don't think they'll let them happen. They're much more disciplined in that secondary than the Vikings are. And Terry McLaurin and Darius Slade, they're going to have their battles, and the Washington still hasn't found anything else. Now, I think Washington's defense will keep it close because they've been playing better in recent weeks, but I'm still going to take the Eagles by double digits. I'm going to say 27 to 16. Washington has kind of come together on defense, and they're kind of meeting expectations of what I thought they would be last year and coming into this year. Um, they can stop the run. That D-line is awesome. Uh, but I expect Devontae Smith, like the first outing, to make a lot of plays. I expect A.J. Brown to get more involved. I think he's going to kill them, and Look, Heineke is like, he's he's a fun story. He's a fun quarterback to watch. But you watched last week's game and like he he, he was awful. Like and, and I and I hate to say that about the guy because he's an FCS guy. He's really worked his way through the ladder and he's found a place for himself in this league. But that Curtis Samuel touchdown was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. I mean, he got bailed out by the ref that ran into Harrison Smith. He was triple covered. Two guys get taken out. Uh, friendly fire and... Curtis Samuel walks into a touchdown that kind of decides the game and keeps it close, at least with Minnesota. Um, besides that play, I mean, he, he did absolutely nothing. Um, he can't push the ball down the field, unlike Carson Wentz. And yeah, he's won some games, but I think it's been more of a team effort. The defense has really picked it up. Um, I expect Philly to run, run away with this one, I, especially off the bye. I feel very good about the Eagles playing well on Monday night football um, at home. So I am going to take the Eagles in this one to blow out. I'm going to go 31 to 13. I, I want to take the commanders in this game, but I, I don't know what the commanders are. I, I, I took them last week. I really thought the commanders were going to pull out that win. They had a chance, and in the fourth quarter, they completely bombed, like you were saying. Henneke just didn't show up in the fourth quarter. But Philadelphia is going to stay undefeated at least this week when they start to play the Cowboys or they play the Cowboys. And, 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 and by the way, I, I believe the Giants are going to be able to compete with them too because of certain aspects of uh, the strengths and the weaknesses of yep. the Eagles' defensive line this year. Now, I think the Eagles' defensive line is very, very good. But you've seen in certain games there's weakness in that line. And... Uh, they haven't used Jordan Davis, which is very interesting. Then they and bring he's in, on the IR. Yep, and oh, they I didn't even know that. And then they bring in Robert Quinn, who I think was a good pickup. We'll see what he is as he figures out this defense and how, this scheme. But uh, the Eagles are the better team, and the Eagles are going to stay undefeated. Jalen Hurts is going to have a hell of a game. He's going to be able to run against this defense because I believe the Eagles' offensive line has been. One of the top three offensive lines in football. And they have the best center in football, in my eyes, in uh, Kelsey. So, uh, I don't know. I, there's really nothing bad to say about this game besides the score. Uh, the Eagles will win this game 34-14. to 14. I, I think this game's going to be a blowout. It's, I, I want to see the Eagles play some good teams. I want to see them play Kansas City. I want to see them play Buffalo. I want to see where they match up against these good teams. Because when a push comes to shove, when you get into the playoffs, yes, the NFC is open. And, and yes, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I, I don't know what this team is. They haven't been challenged yet this year. 
And you want to see them challenge. You don't want to go into the playoffs undefeated either. No. You do not want to do that. So I don't think they're going to be undefeated. I think they're going to lose against the divisional. Uh, they're going to lose a couple of divisional games. And I think, the Cowboy, I think the Cowboys can compete with them because of that defense. It's going to be very interesting with this Eagles team in the second half. I think there are a couple of games that really stand out. I mean, you're an Eagles fan. Uh, do you believe that this Eagles team is as good as their record shows? Or do you think there is some forms of discussion with some of your Eagle friends uh, that this team is a lot, uh, maybe overrated? I think they're a really, really good team that has had the easiest road like possible. And like I say that nicely because... Like, yeah, the Vikings are the two seed in the NFC, but like, as Aaron and I said, and like, I know Speedy has a different opinion, but like, I'm not buying into the Vikings being seven and one. No. Um, I think that team is maybe a borderline top 10 team, but like, really, they haven't put it together. Um, they played Dallas when they had Cooper Rush, so like, tough to judge that one. Um, and just some of the teams that they were that they played this year and that they were that they're going to play, you expected more out of. They're playing at Indy. In a couple of weeks, which before the year, you're like, all right, that might be a tough game. Now it's like, that's probably going to be a double digit point spread. Are supposed to play New Orleans later in the year. Before the year, you're like, all right, New Orleans might be pesky. They might be a wild card team. Maybe they compete. They, they give the Bucks a hard time at NFC South. I mean, they, they've, they're what, three and six? And it looks like everything's falling apart in New Orleans, just stuff like that. So um, I do think they'll be tested. They got the Giants twice. They got at Chicago, and I know Chicago's defense, especially. They're, they're, I mean, they're like organ donors now, giving away <laughs> Khalil Mack last year, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. Um, but the offense is a tough matchup. I mean, Justin Fields, how good he is as a runner, uh, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. Um, that offensive line has been pretty solid in the run game. And if Jordan Davis isn't back for that game, I think that's kind of a tough matchup for him. Um, they still got to play Tennessee and Derrick Henry. That's the game so I think combine, they're going to lose first. Yeah, that's the first. You game. combine Henry and his and and what he does on the ground, and especially if Jordan Davis doesn't play in that one, and how good Tennessee's defense is, and how much they could probably challenge Jalen Hurts. That might be the loss right there. Um, so I think they'll be challenged in the second half. I mean, the second time they play Dallas wouldn't surprise me at all if if Dallas kind of whips them up. I mean, to be honest with you. As an Eagles fan, I kind of hope they lose and maybe lose to a bad team, humble them up a little <laughs> bit before the postseason. Um, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but I wouldn't call them overrated. I, I do think they're probably the most complete team in football. Um, mm. You can have your reservations and your questions about Hurts, but take away the QB position. I think that is probably the best roster in football. Maybe the Bills challenge them, mm, but yeah. I don't trust the Bills O-line. I mean – Josh Allen really like covers up a lot of he masks up a lot of weaknesses on that offensive line. I don't think that ground game is very imposing. I mean, Josh Allen does most of it, right? Um, so I don't think they're overrated. I think they're going to be a, a tough out for any team in the playoff. But I, I'm with you, Arrow. Are they going to be battle tested? Yeah. Have they seen enough adversity before uh, December or before January in the playoffs? It just gets different. I mean, coaches are so much sharper. Game plans are so much sharper. Um, and if you if you've nothing to fall back on in terms of adversity, it could be really hard because at the end of the day, they still are a really young team in a lot of spots. Oh, I and Jalen Hurts. I think he's a top three MVP candidate. I don't think he's one of the lead guys. I think he's third. 
I think it's either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. It's going back and forth. But right now it's Patrick Mahomes because of what the Jets did to Patrick uh, to, to Josh Allen last week. But nevertheless, I, I think Jalen Hurts deserves a lot of credit. I think this defense deserves a lot, a lot of credit. But I, I worry about this front seven. I don't know. They're aging front seven. You have Graham there. You have Cox there. This is an aging front seven. I we expected Jordan Davis to be a big part of this defense this year. I like you said. I didn't even know he was hurt, but him being out and even when he comes back, how much is he going to understand this defense when he does get back? I I, I don't know. I and, and like I said, it's battle tested when it comes to the playoffs. Can they run the ball against these top-end defensive teams, too? Uh, I like their three-headed monster. I think they were a running team going into this year. Then they added A.J. Brown and now Smith. They have, uh, they have enough weapons offensively. And I think they have the, the second-best secondary in football right behind the Jets now because of what the Jets are doing. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable. I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan. I mean, Garner's the number one in PFF. And then you have, you have um, D.J. Reed, who's fifth in PFF, and then you have Michael Carter, who's 15th in PFF in all of football. You have the three out of the in the top 15 best corners in football, and that says a lot. I, I, I do believe the Eagles have the second best uh, combined corners in the NFL. I think they're, like you said, Derek, I think they're the most complete team in the going into the playoffs, but are they battle tested like the Buffalo Bills playing the teams that they're playing in the AFC East, one of the better divisions, or the Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs? Are they battle contested like they are? That's what worries me. If you're an Eagles fan and then somehow they get out of the the NFC, are they are they going to beat one of those top end teams in the AFC? That's the question. That's it. Yeah, and, and even if they get past the the Vikings or any teams like that, how about the 49ers in the NFC Championship? Yeah. That could be tough too if yeah. they have to, if they play mm-hmm. then one versus yep. three. So I, I, I I'm interested to see what the Eagles are going to do when they lose that first game and how they come back. Um, I, they right now their their coach is going to be coach of the year. Uh, they have. One of the better offenses in the league. I, again, I think this offensive line is one of the top three offensive lines. They have an anchor in Kelsey, uh, a veteran guy that knows the league and understands how to how to run that offense. Uh, I, I, that's the one thing. I they they they're, they're fr- I would believe their head, their strength is their offensive line. So um, I'm interested. And by the way, I think they I think this this offensive line is given the second least sacks all season long if i'm not mistaken so i mean that checks out i mean between hurts and how we avoid sacks and just how good the offensive line is that definitely checks out yeah i i think they i think they're top two in the nfl when it comes to that so um i i think with this off as long as this offensive line stays healthy uh they're going to cause a lot of problems for the good pass rushing defenses uh, especially in the playoffs so we'll see what happens uh, i i'm I'm interested. I root on the Eagles just because of Donovan McNabb, and my team has been just so sucky every single year. But uh, this year is different, my friends. We're going to see playoffs for the New York Jets. I believe it now. I definitely believe we, it. We're, we're going to have, like, a wild playoff picture. I do when it, believe when it comes that, yeah. to it. I mean, we're going to get – we should get the Jets. Um, could get the Giants. I think we'll get the Giants, especially mm. if they win this week. Like, you just – like. Beat the teams like the Texans. Beat the teams you're supposed to. They should make it. Um, I thought about this last week. What if we got an Eagles-Seahawks NFC Championship? Is that like a crazy 
like out of the no. left field possibility right now. It isn't. But before the year, you would say yeah. like you're nuts. But like that could easily happen. I mean, the NFC is so mm. wide open right now. Um, I, I can easily see Sam Fran coming out, Dallas coming out. Could you imagine seeing the Jets and the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl? And Jamal Adams was could watching you, his couch. Could you, um, <laughs> could you imagine Geno Smith versus his old team in a Super Bowl? The Jet fans would have uh, – they would crap their pants. I, I tell you right now, I, I, what, what we're seeing right now, the Jets in Seattle have been arguably the two surprise teams in the NFL. And uh, with Geno Smith, the way he's playing and the way the Jets' defense is just smash-mouthing all the teams that they're playing, I, I I think the Jets, they didn't even care about that Buffalo game. They can't wait until this bye week is over so they can go after New England. I, I Every single play, I was telling Speedy, every time you saw the interviews after the Buffalo game, they said, yeah, we won this game, but uh, we have the bye week and we're looking forward to for a revenge game over there in New England. They were very upset about New England going New England going in to MetLife Stadium and beating them like that. Uh, I think the Jets want revenge. I told Speedy, I think this this game means more to the Jets than the Patriots ever had a game to mean. So I I, I think the Jets want to prove themselves as an N- NFL top team and 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 being that they're so young and so fast, I, I think they're going to go into New England. On not only are they going to beat them, I think they're going to murder them. I, I'm talking whatever the line is, which will probably be like three or four. I would bet it's four over. and a half, which is like that's kind of crazy. And I get, I think it's all just because of what Wilson has looked like against Bill Belichick, yes. and it's been it, it's been horrible, but. Last week was really encouraging, and I've been, like, as critical on Wilson as probably any young quarterback just because, like, you see the ability, but the decision-making, especially that New England game, it's just, like, unacceptable. You can't be doing that stuff, but the Buffalo stuff, I mean, man, he was just managing the game. Just let the game come to you. Garrett Wilson's making plays. Michael Carter probably had his best game of the season. The offensive line looked good. Um, That's all he needs to do because that Jets defense – it might be the best defense in football Some right people now. Think as, crazy, that, yeah. as crazy as that is, I mean, they just played really complimentary football. Garrett Wilson looked fantastic. I mean, Elijah Moore is a ghost, which uh, <laughs> breaks my heart because I love them coming out of Ole Miss. You but, could join Sam Darnold. Um, <laughs> that, did you hear what they're doing? You hear what they're doing with him? No. They're moving him to the slot. I mean, I think that's probably a smart move. Yes. Um, I mean, they need to manufacture a couple touches to get him involved when they play New England next week. Mm. I just think he's too good a player to completely abandon, but I I get the other side of the coin where his attitude hasn't been good. He's demanding a trade. He's clearly loafing and not finishing a lot of routes, um, especially if if he knows he's not going to get the football. And I get that can be frustrating for a receiver. So I see both sides of it, but he's too good to not get involved. Um, But – Besides that, a lot of things to get excited about as a Jets fan. Oh, I, I I agree, and they're so young, and it's not this year that you're going to be excited for. It's going to be next year when the depth comes to them with Elijah Vera Tucker, Brees Hall. They have Controller Robinson. They have Michael Carter. That offensive line, even though they're probably going to lose George Font, which by the way will be back in their after their bye week, and so will Max Mitchell. So the offensive line that was playing pretty damn well against one of the better defenses in the league. Now you have Max Mitchell coming back and Font. Now you're now, with the depth that you have, you should be going into the playoffs and going into the probably the easy part of your schedule where you're going to be able to bite and eat, not nip 
which the Jets have been doing over the last couple of weeks. And what I mean by nip, they're winning games, but they're winning games against, besides Josh Allen, they're winning against backup quarterbacks. Now you could start biting because you have proven that you can beat the good quarterback. You've proven you could beat the good defenses. And now with as long as Gardner and DJ Reed stay healthy, watch out because if you can't throw against them, and I said I said it again, and I'll say it. I'll say it over and over again. The when you play teams that are one dimensional, and you have two guys that can shut down your two dimensional players, how are you going to beat them? So I I said it. I think they're going to stop Diggs, and they're going to stop Davis, and it's going to be the Josh Allen show. And what did Josh Allen do? He ran two touchdowns, and after that, after the second half, after the first half, the Jets said, "Okay, that's it. No more of this crap." And they bullied him all the way into the fourth quarter, and then they ran the hell down, they ran it right down their throat. So uh, this is a different Jets team. I think Robert Sala is a different coach. Uh, Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. This is a good good run organization, as you know. You know Joe Douglas. He comes from the Eagles organization, and and this is a guy. This guy knows how to draft. He knows. He understands what it takes to win. So. Uh, I'll I'll leave you off with a really encouraging stat that I came across. Um, so the Jets are dead last in blitz rate in football. They yep. blitz on like thirteen percent of dropbacks um, because their D line is so good, and that's I mean that's a good thing. If you could get home with four, you do that. They are sixth in pressure rate. That disparity is unbelievable. I mean to be at number six with pretty much just rushing with four all the time. These teams ahead of them are. New England, Dallas, these teams that they're, they're bringing five and six all the time. They're playing cover one and cover zero behind all the time, putting their DBs in, in these liabilities. And, and those are really good defenses. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's, I mean, Joe Douglas comes from the Eagles, as you said, but the Eagles have always built from the trenches. They have always kind of had this ever since Jim Johnson, yeah. kind of left. I mean, they've always kind of wanted to get home with four. They've always wanted to have hmm. dominant pass rushers and they've always wanted to be able to kind of have a rotate a rotation going on the D line and just stay fresh the entire game and make it make life really hard on the offense. And it's working for New York. I think you could always see the vision, the way they drafted in years past, but never was really executed. But now you're seeing it come together, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and Jim Schwartz was brilliant with that too when he mm-hmm. when he came over to the yes. Eagles too. And uh, Jim Johnson was brilliant. I thought he really did a great job with a lot of those rotations because that wasn't really the mainly their strength was their D line. They had good defensive linemen, but it was it was the linebackers and Brian Dawkins. And he was strength, just chaos. So, I mean, yeah. he he would he would bring the heat a lot, um, and I I think you'd see a lot of those defenses kind of flame out. And they were really good defenses, but I mean, they kind of switched their school of thought, especially under Andy Reid, especially under, uh, like you said, when they went to Schwartz, and now they have John Gannon, who he's going to be pretty conservative most of the times. But it's like you said, at the NFL, if you get home with four, it's just so much harder to win that way as an offense. You're putting seven guys in coverage. You're already at an advantage. I I say that. Could you imagine the Eagles and the Jets in the Super Bowl? The Jets have never beaten the Eagles. Never (laughs) beaten the Eagles. Could you imagine them beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl? That would be fantastic. I know you wouldn't want to watch that, but (laughs) me as a Jet fan, I'd be like – I I I I like. Both I do like teams. the Jets. Yes. I do like the Jets. I kind of always root for them. I and I I've always rooted for the Eagles. I always, everybody tells me how could you be a Jet fan and root for the Eagles? And I said, 
I was a Donovan McNabb fan, and I, I followed him in Syracuse. And I remember when everybody, when Donovan was drafted by the Eagles, I was like, oh, man, I wish the Jets had a chance to get him. And Donovan, always, he always was a good quarterback with the Eagles. And when I met him in Miami, I, I was telling him his whole life story to him. And he, he was so surprised that I knew so much about him. So I, I'm rooting I'm rooting for the Eagles in the NFC. A lot of people say I'm probably nuts, but and and the Jets. And I would love to see the Eagles and the Jets in the Super Bowl. That would be my my prototypical like I my coming out party. But if the Eagles beat the Jets in the Super Bowl, it would just it would heartbreak me. You know what I mean? I'd be like, ah, oh, the Eagles won, but oh, man, that was my chance. That was my chance to celebrate something that I'll probably never see again. But I, I think this is I I think with this coaching staff. And with this GM, I really believe in the next three years the Jets will see a Super Bowl. I really do believe it. I and I I said this. I I a hundred percent believe it. This team is there. They have a shutdown corner. They have one of the best DTs in all of football. They're getting pressure. They have some good young players on the offensive side of the ball, and they have game-changing players. Garrett Garrett Wilson. You have Brees Hall when he comes back. And, and all the different players you have. And, and yes, I think they have the quarterback of the future that's going to help them win. I absolutely believe it. I think he, he is going to figure it out. And when he does, watch out for this team. Derek, thank you for joining us as always. We'll get you on next week, bud. Appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure. Awesome, man. Derek Mountain, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. Uh, I'm excited as a Jet fan. How could you not be? I mean, there are still plenty of Jets fans that still probably aren't. But You're probably right, uh, <laughs> Josh being one of them. Uh, but I'm just – you have to be excited about this team. You heard those numbers. They're, they're pressuring four guys, and they're getting – and they're one of the top six pressuring teams in all of the NFL. And they're pressuring only four guys. They're the only team – in the in the top ten that are pressuring four guys, and they're getting that much pressure on the quarterback. That's ridiculous. And and like he said, if you could pressure four guys and play all the other guys in in you know in the open field to, to defend man to man, doing how are teams supposed to beat them? I mean, I, I mean, you have to have a dominant offense. I thought Buffalo. They they said Buffalo was a top five offensive line in football. The Jets abused them mm-hmm. last week. Yep. They abused them. They were you. I saw Quinton. I said this. Who, I don't remember who I said this to. I think it was Eric. <laughs> Eric. Maybe it was Eric. I saw Quinton Williams push three guys into Josh Allen in that game in the third quarter. Like he pushed three guys into Josh Allen to practically sack him. Okay, that is where Quinton Williams is a man child right now. He has seven sacks and he's a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. This guy is going to – There, he has, what, eight games left? Yep. He has a chance to have 15, 16 sacks this year. And I believe he's going to have a game where he's going to have two and a half, three sacks in a game. This guy is, to me, besides Micah Parsons and uh, – who's the other guy? T.J. Watt. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. Okay? And I I, I believe that now. I Now you're having 83 snaps. You, you've seen enough of him to say that this is for real. This guy is going to make a lot of money in the offseason. He is he is, he is surpassed. And I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Donald. But this year he is. Yeah, he's not played him this year. This year he is. But 
Aaron Donald was an all-pro. He's not going to be an all-pro player this year. This will be the first year Aaron Donald doesn't make the all-pro team because I'll tell you why he's not going to make the all-pro team because Quentin Williams is going to make yeah, the all-pro team. Yeah, Chris Jones will probably be the other one. Yes, yeah. I, he, is, he is not making the all-pro team at that position. I think there's just too many dominant uh, you know, you know, tackles. Yeah. It's just... It's unbelievable. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence is having a great year, too. He might miss out because of those two as well. And, yeah. and I, I just want to remind Jet fans, when Robert Solid decided to take this job, the main reason why he took this job was Quentin Williams. I, I guarantee you, and I remember him saying that when he was at his press conference. He says, to have a player of that magnitude in the middle, a young player who has the speed, the ability, the power to do the thing, and he's still he's 24 years old. I mean, he's going to get his contract next year. He'll be 25. He's got like five, six years of dominance at his position. This guy is going to hes going to show everybody why the Jets drafted him three years ago as their top three pick. He's going to go down as the best player in that draft class. I believe that. And I don't remember who was in his draft class. Uh, it's going to be hard with Bosa, but I mean, those two are neck and neck right now, ability-wise. It's just depending on who can stay healthy and the consistency factor. But, yeah, that's a that's a loaded D-line draft. And all the Jets fans wanted them to draft an edge rusher specifically and said, no, we don't want Quentin Williams. And, yeah, it's hard gonna... to find a defensive tackle that can dominate the line yeah, of scrimmage right. and who can do all those things. And now, last year we didn't see what he's capable of doing because they didn't have a pass rush on the corners, on the edges. Now that Carl Lawson is back and you have guys like Curry playing, who's played very well since he's been back. Vinny Curry's been really good mm-hmm. uh, and a big leader to that defense. And then you have Jermaine Johnson and Rankins and uh, Franklin Myers. You have all these guys doing the things that they do and what they're good at. They're a scary upfront four-man you know, rushing team. And I just... I mean, when before Rankins got hurt, I mean, Rankins, you had Rankins, uh, Quinn Williams, Lawson, and Curry. Okay, I mean, and now you have, you know, you have Curry, Lawson, not Rankins. I, I think they're going to start uh, Shepard this week. Okay. So they're going to have Shepard up there. Now, I don't think Shepard is anywhere close to the player Rankins is. No. But he can stop the run. And uh, I expect to see Clemens a lot, too, this week. Yeah. So expect that as well. I, I think Cle- Michael Clemens has been a really good player for the Jets. And Bryce Huff has been a nice, pleasant surprise too. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, they'll use him in you know in third down speed rushers. Yes, yeah. uh, he's been good, and he's a guy that uh, Joe Douglas really liked when he picked him up right. two years ago, and he's kept him. And uh, I mean, obviously, he's working out for them. I this this team is for real, and and you've heard Garner Sauce Garner spoke out over the last couple of days. And he's been on a lot of shows. And Garner told Garner even said that this isn't even the best defense that they believe that this team could be. So he's saying that they he thinks they could be even better than this. Sheldon Rankins at the start of the season. Yeah, and, uh, so he's looking much more closer to real reality than what we would have thought. I, I mean, Garner's already saying that this defense is even better than what it shows right now. How much better could they be? So, and he says we even had, we didn't even have our best game. So, I, I mean. If if he's telling the truth and Garner believes that, I mean, could they could they really go and win a Super Bowl this year? I'm not going to bet on it. No. But when you have a defense this good and you have a running game that can run the ball, it's not uh, the end all be all to say that they can't. So I, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl this year. But 
I, I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are that much better than them. I don't think the Buffalo Bills are that much better than them. I don't think the Miami Dolphins are that much better than them. I don't think any of these teams in the AFC are that much better than them. And that's crazy to say when they were one of the worst teams in the NFL for the last 20 years. So congratulations to Joe Douglas. He actually knows what he's doing. Congratulations for Robert Sala. You know, and I, I'm going to take back what I said about Robert Sala uh, with the whole receipt, receipts thing. Ever since he spoke about that, this team has been completely different. This defense has been completely different. I think Robert Sala has this team. Uh, has this team on notice, and I think he he I think the Jets believe they think they can win this year. It, could you imagine this team go to the Super Bowl this year? I I I don't know what to say. I I mean I I would go to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, have at it. I, I I would have to I would have to go to the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, you're, there's going to be a massacre of Jets fans at the Super Bowl, and that ends up happening. So many people in your position that haven't gotten to see one in their life. I, I mean, I would love to see the Jets go to the Super Bowl this year and and play the 49ers or the Eagles or or the Cowboys. Oh, I'd love to see them play the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Could you imagine that? They would beat the Cowboys, I think, because I don't think they, I think they match up well with the Cowboys. I, it's not even about me, you know, yeah. beating the Cowboys. And I I do believe the Cowboys are going to get Odell Beckham. I, I, everything that I've heard is it's down to two teams, and and the yeah, Cowboys are one of them. I think. Yeah. Yes, uh, I I believe he's going to the Cowboys, uh, and that'll be interesting. That would be interesting. Gardner yes, that versus like a very Jerry Jones move. <laughs> Gardner versus you know Odell Beckham. That mm. would be fun to watch. I I know who's going to win, but uh, that would be fun to watch. And C.D. Lamb and D.J. Reed. Interesting. It would be an interesting. Well, that, that implies the Cowboys actually being in the Super Bowl. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to be. I, I just want to be the guy to to watch. You know, me and the Beave go back and forth and watch the Jets beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. That would be so fun. Could you imagine that? His father's a Jet fan, and he's a Cowboy fan. Oh, wow. That I didn't would be, realize that. Well, that would be, that would be so fun. That would be so fun. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I I think next year the Jets are going to be one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl next year. I, I really do. I have more trust in that than I would the Cowboys. I, with that offensive line coming back, I mean, Brown's coming back for one more year. You have you have Mackay Beckham coming back. You, you're probably going to bring her big back. Uh, you have all the other guys coming back. I, I, I don't know what what's going to stop this team next year except injuries. That's that's what I'm going to say. I, I think that they're by far next year one of the most talented teams in the NFL and young. Mm-hmm. So and with with Garner this good and DJ Reed this good, if they stay healthy. Uh, by the way, I, I t- I'll take back what I said about number three, uh, Mr. Safety over there. Whitehead, yeah. He's been fantastic. He The last three weeks, he's been fan. Joyner's been great for the Jets. I, I mean, this secondary has been as good as any secondary in football. So congratulations to Robert Sala and the New York Jets on a fantastic season. And no matter what happens for the rest of the way, uh, they they might not make the playoffs. They might just win nine games. And that would be horrible for the season they're having. But even if they win nine games, this has been a great season. And this this is something to build on for next year with a, a, even a better football team. So um, thank you to Mike uh, Guizdala for joining us. Uh, Josh Silverberg, uh, the calls, Brett being an ass, <laughs> Todd being Todd, I guess. 
thank you for everybody listening to us. Thank you to our friend Derek Mountain for being sensational, as he always is, uh, with his picks. It, it's, it was a good show, and uh, we're looking forward to next week on Wednesday on being back at 7 o'clock. Uh, again, um, we, we, uh, I know Speedy's working on some great, uh, great uh, guests. And uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch on Saturday at 1030. The, the Islanders will be playing at 730, so we'll be on right after the Islander game. Uh, if you're not here on Long Island, you can tune in on um, iHeartRadio, LI News uh, Radio, so check that out. Uh, again, Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Uh, I know you're healthy, so that's a good yeah, thing. Yes, I am. I am feeling at least normal, at least now. Which is Nothing good. is normal with you. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, I, I look like a fool picking the Atlanta Falcons tonight. So thank you to Atlanta for making me look like a fool in the sauna today. Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.